Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Off The Script. Welcome to my mother's basement, man. We are on the verge, potentially, but to see what night two brings. But if night two is anywhere close to where night one was tonight, we may be looking at the most epic WrestleMania of all time. Tonight felt like a statement show. Tonight felt like Triple H's takeover, honestly. And I know that I've been a little over the top with the Vince McMahon narrative, and I do believe in some way Vince McMahon is back in some capacity. It would be stupid for you to deny that. But tonight honestly felt like Triple H's takeover. They gave you a little bit of everything that WrestleMania sorely needed in the last few years. Tonight felt like WrestleMania was WrestleMania, a true statement show by Triple H and WWE tonight. We got a whole nother night ahead of us. Tonight WWE made some money. So I want you guys to sit down. I want you guys to pull up a chair. I want you guys to get comfortable, man. This is the biggest show that we do all year. Nobody does it better than us. Pull up a chair, order yourself a Mercedes Monet maker, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Off The Script, man. We got a lot to get into tonight, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Holy shit, man. I'm genuinely left speechless, to be honest with you, man. This is exactly what I wanted out of a WrestleMania, to be honest with you. It's exactly what I wanted out of a WrestleMania. Triple H. He actually went about booking this the exact way that fans wanted it to be, man. And the one thing that made this WrestleMania so much like a WrestleMania, like a WrestleMania should feel like, 
is the story that was behind most of these matches, man. The story that was behind most of these matches. Tonight just felt different to me. Tonight felt different. I was more excited about this than previous WrestleManias. And if you guys know, if you guys have been watching me, man, you know, WrestleMania to me is my, like, Achilles heel. For pro wrestling shows throughout the year, man, it's my Achilles heel. I, I don't really feel the, the hype like most of the community does for WrestleMania, especially when Vince was in charge completely. This year felt a little different. This year felt a little different. We got an unbelievable main event tonight. And thank God that was the main event because that was the moment that WrestleMania needed to end on. That's what I was talking about. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens winning those tag team championships, breaking the Usos' unbelievable title reign, record-setting title reign. There was no other team that was ready for that. Sami and KO did it tonight. And the emotion that was all over Kevin Owens' face when Sami made the pin that spoke everything that you wanted out of this year-long storyline for Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and the Usos. And it could play into the bigger picture of the downfall, or at least the beginnings of the downfall of the Roman Empire, of the bloodline. Is Roman going to lose tomorrow night against Cody Rhodes? Will Roman lose it all like the Usos lost it all tonight at WrestleMania? Tremendous tag team match, man. The emotion in that tag team match was exactly what you wanted coming out of everything that Sammy and KO and the Usos have been through with this bloodline story, which I honestly feel like is the best story of our generation. The other match that I really, really, really enjoyed tonight was the Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio match. And I said that Rey and Dominic had the second best story in the entire WWE outside of Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and the Usos coming into this event tonight. I actually put Ray and Dominic over Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes for their story coming into WrestleMania. And it played out as exactly as you would want. Father versus son, the crowd was into it. All the hijinks of all the supporting characters tonight, Judgment Day, the new Latino World Order, the LWO, Legado del Fantasma merging with Rey Mysterio. We had Bad Bunny out there on Spanish commentary. The entrances of Dominic and Rey Mysterio tonight were some of the greatest of all time for a WrestleMania show. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely phenomenal. That was a great match. Believe it or not, believe it or not, and we will rag on her a little bit because all she did was cry to fuckface emo fuck Ryan Satin. We'll talk about what Charlotte Flair had to say, and I understand that Charlotte wanted a main event. Tonight certainly felt like a statement match for Charlotte Flair. Tonight, I felt like WWE gave them the blueprints the blank canvas to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do because WWE knew, like, listen, we have to go with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. This is the story. This is the culmination of what WrestleMania is. We can't give it to you. You guys are great. And yes, Rhea won the Royal Rumble, but we've had how many Royal Rumble winners go into WrestleMania 
not main eventing WrestleMania. I mean, you're not going to be the only ones that have done it in the annals of WWE history. Tonight, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley absolutely felt like they needed to go out there and make a statement. And no matter my disdain for Charlotte Flair, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley put on not only one of the hardest hitting WrestleMania matches that I've seen in many years, probably the hardest hitting women's match in years in WWE. And I would absolutely go out there and say that Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley possibly put on so far through this year so far, the best women's match of the entire year. Now that's going to be up to Oscar and Bianca Belair. I think that's going to raise the stakes for Oscar and Bianca Belair tomorrow night on night two for the Royal Women's Championship. But, you know, no matter my disdain for Charlotte and the internal politics that I know, uh, you know, surround Charlotte Flair and everything that she tries to do and, you know, she's handed this and handed that and everything's an easy road for Charlotte Flair because of who she is and who her father is. They both showed up tonight. It would be against my better judgment, man. It would be against my podcast etiquette to sit here and lie to you guys uh, about that match. That match was absolutely fucking a banger match. A banger match. And they should both be incredibly proud uh, of what they did out there. Two great dance partners. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair work incredible together. They do. And Rhea Ripley won the SmackDown Women's Championship. We'll talk about what potentially comes next for Rhea Ripley after WrestleMania. John Cena and Austin Theory. They opened the show tonight. In fact, John Cena, believe it or not, John Cena is on a WrestleMania show in 2023. John Cena is a absolute fucking legend. Michael Cole calls him the greatest of all time. And John Cena, at the end of the night, is the most inconsequential, insufficient, insignificant part of the entire show. That's what I mean by change. That's what I mean by change. And I could sit here and tell you that Vince McMahon is booking this and Vince McMahon's booking that. He's got his hands in the cookie jar. He's taking a couple of cookies at the, you know, late hour, midnight hour, and he's munching away when he shouldn't be eating thing, eating anything after midnight. He's like a fucking rat. I could sit here and tell you what Vince McMahon is doing and what Vince McMahon's not doing, what Triple H is doing and what Triple H is not doing. Because this was Vince McMahon's WWE completely. John Cena would have been a little bit higher up on the card. John Cena would have had a bigger spotlight on this show. Other legends might have had a bigger spotlight on this show. We might have had this entire show, half of it being part-timers if Vince McMahon was completely in charge. But in 2023, John Cena, at the end of the night, is a part of the show that nobody is going to be talking about when the show ends. That alone is change. John Cena was a part of the show. John Cena wasn't the show. He wasn't a spotlight, a highlight of the show. He did what he needed to do. He showed up. He put the young kid over. He goes home. Goodbye. We won't see Cena for another uh, another 12 months. Or SummerSlam, at least. Maybe a match with Logan Paul at SummerSlam. That's change. That is one of the main reasons. That's one of the biggest takeaways of the entire night for me. That. And he put over Austin Theory. They opened the show, had a decent little match. I expected it to go a little bit longer, but they got Cena in. They got Cena out. He looked a little gassed. No tan on John Cena. Bold spot a little bit bigger than I remember it being last time, but he went in there and he looked good. For the little bit that he did, 
he looked good in there against Austin Theory and did exactly what he needed to do and put the future of the WWE over in the open of WrestleMania. The men's tag team match, the fatal four-way tag team match, the showcase match, said this on Friday, said it on Monday. Triple H lets them go out there and just go. You may be looking at a banger match, possible night stealer. That's exactly what they went out to do. That's exactly what they did. You're going to be talking about that match at the end of the night, especially what Ricochet did and what Chad Gable did in there and everybody else that was in that match, man. Everybody had a showcase. That's why they called it the showcase match for WrestleMania. That was awesome. Seth Rollins and Logan Paul, an absolute banger of a match. Banger of a match. Logan Paul should not be denied anymore. He's went in there against Roman Reigns. He's went in there against The Miz. He's went in there against Seth Rollins. And he's killed it every single time. Logan Paul should absolutely be a priority for WWE as far as contracts are concerned. They should be on the phone with him at the end of this weekend, offering him another multi-year deal. Or it was a multi-year deal, he says. But realistically, it was, it was only a year as the contract came to an end tonight on his birthday. But Logan Paul and Seth Rollins had an absolute WrestleMania clinic out there. Every bit of that match was exactly what you want on the WrestleMania card. The ladies had a six-woman tag team match. To me, that was honestly the weakest part of the show. I just did not care about it. There, there was no heat coming into it. I don't care about damage control. I don't care to see Lita and Trish on my TV. I don't care about Becky Lynch. The match itself was fine. There was no heat from the crowd. And at the end of it, I don't think anybody really cared who won or who lost. It was just there. It just existed. So we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about everything that happened on WrestleMania tonight, man. This was a tremendous show from top to bottom. And if WWE plays their cards right, and like I said, they go into night two, giving us anywhere close to what night one was tonight, this will be one of the greatest WrestleManias that I think we personally have ever seen. That Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes match tomorrow night, man, is going to emit so much emotion, so much unpredictability. It's going to have people on the edge of their seat. I'm very much looking forward to see what happens at the end of this WrestleMania as we go into a brand new season of WWE TV on Monday night. Ladies and gentlemen, I am exhausted. I am exhausted, man. This is my third stream today. We're going to get into it tonight in just a second. I did an NXT watch along for Stand and Deliver. Obviously, WWE struck it down with a takedown because they're fucking lame. So I got to reach out to somebody in regards to that. Then I did a roundtable discussion talking all things WrestleMania, both night one and night two. I was live with Jesse, obviously, my partner on Wednesdays. I was live with BC Amplified, and I was live with my guy, Ango. And that was a tremendous show. Some people reached out to me and said that was legitimately the best show that I put together all week, all year. Thank you guys so much for the support, man. That's on the channel. Go check that stuff out. And we're not done, man. We're live tonight. We're live tomorrow. We're live Monday. I don't rest. I can't wait to lay my head down tonight, man. Believe me. Thank you guys for all the support, man. You guys keep me going. You guys keep me energized. I can't do it without you.
Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. We got almost 5,000 in here tonight. There is absolutely no question. We need 2,000 likes minimum on the podcast tonight. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Welcome to my mother's basements. Barstool Sports disapproved. Fuck them. Memberships are open. Get them on in. Thank you guys so much for becoming a channel member. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. You guys need the endurance that it takes to last the WrestleMania weekend. You know you're going to need some Blue Chew, man. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Get your free sample tonight on me. Make sure you guys go to BlueChew.com and sign up. $5 shipping and handling is all you're going to have to take care of, man. So go get yourself a free sample tonight on the podcast. I want to thank them for being a great friend and a great sponsor of the podcast right here on Off The Script. WrestleMania 39, night one, opened. Obviously with America the Beautiful. As always, Becky G sang America the Beautiful. Very good rendition. WrestleMania intro included Kevin Hart, who's obviously a Hollywood actor, comedian of sorts. And he started the show with a great video package to start WrestleMania. There's something about WrestleMania kicking off in the daytime, man, that I just love. I think it's great. And then you get to see the sunset over the WrestleMania set, over the WrestleMania stage. And then we get into the nighttime, man. It's just a beautiful... It's just a beautiful ambiance to go from daylight to the nighttime for these shows, man. If there was one takeaway that I had for the show, if there was one negative that I had about the show, man, this match, or, or this, this show, rather, was seven matches long. Now, theoretically, you would think, wow, that's not that lot. That, that's not a lot, right? It's not a lot for WrestleMania show. I mean, they cut this show into two nights, and they split what was an eight-hour show into... You know, two nights. I'm like, yes, it's easily digestible. It's a lot more comfortable to watch two nights of WrestleMania. I love the format. I think the two-night WrestleMania is something that they should never go back on. I think this is tremendous. The money that they're making, they're never going to go back on it, man. They sold 70,000-plus tickets for night one and night two. And all you need to do, long-term booking. You give us the LTB, and people will pay the green to come see WWE. They broke records tonight. They shattered records. They made the most sponsorship revenue in the history of the company tonight with whoever fucking sponsored the show tonight. Snickers and Cinnamon Toast Crunch and TurboTax. I mean, it it was like uh, I was watching the fucking Super Bowl tonight. Legitimately. It's what they turned WrestleMania into. It's always been that way for pro wrestling, but the more and more and more you watch WWE, man, there's just these changes that they're making. It seems a little bit more upscale. It seems a little bit more epic. And WWE did not skimp at all on WrestleMania this year. The set was tremendous. Tremendous. It was so beautiful. I know a lot of people are like, ah, WrestleMania 33 is my favorite. I can't forget WrestleMania 33. I was actually quite fond of WrestleMania 34 as well because I like the New Orleans colors. But man, oh man, 
that WrestleMania set tonight, man. I love the pirate ship, too, for Tampa. That was great, too, man. I, I, I got a little soft spot for pirates and pirate ships and that type of, uh, that type of scenery. But tonight, man, the WrestleMania set, the Hollywood set, it legitimately looked like a Hollywood fucking film. I, I mean, it was so... I, I, listen, I, you guys can have your opinions. I think it was better than 33 tonight. I thought tonight what they did was better than 33. There's a word out there, you know, if you don't agree with me, you gotta at least admit that the WrestleMania set was fucking majestic. It's a great word to you. It was very regal, look. It was very majestic. And I think that... WWE continues to up the ante for WrestleMania, and nobody does it better. When it comes to this type of shit, man, nobody does it better than WWE. Production, the feel of it, making it just stand out as the biggest fucking show that you're ever going to see. WWE hits a home run every single time, man. You got to give them props for that. So the whole ambiance of WrestleMania's being there was a tremendous sight to see, even watching it at home. The Miz and Snoop Dogg hosted WrestleMania. This is a lot better than fucking Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil hosting WrestleMania. The hosts of the show were in the ring, and Snoop had been in over 80 movies while The Miz was in Marine 4, 5, and 6. Miz said that Snoop and him had a lot in common. Snoop was okay with the comparisons for the most part. He tried to put the fans over. Miz then plugged the two main events, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, and then the Usos and Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. And then before he does that and gets into anything else with Snoop Dogg, he introduces Austin Theory, and Austin Theory is the first guy to come on on, come on out down the aisle uh, for WrestleMania as John Cena and Austin Theory for the United States Championship was the first match of the entire night. John Cena's music hit, and they went over a video package. They showed a video package of WWE doing the whole Make-A-Wish campaign and how John Cena has granted over 600 Make-A-Wishes, and he had a ton of Make-A-Wish kids out there on the stage with a very heartwarming moment. Uh, That's the type of entrance that John Cena Uh, absolutely requested. He definitely wanted to be a part of that. He wanted to be around that, being that he was back. And that in itself was a great entrance for John Cena. Very heartwarming for him to come on out there and and do that for for the youngsters out there. So we get this match. And I was excited about John Cena being back. I uh, I was excited for, you know, Austin Theory to get his big moment. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. The match goes about 10, 11 minutes. And at the end of it, I was kind of asking myself, that's it? That's all we got? Like, we could have easily been given another four or five minutes to make it go 15 tops. That's why I said WWE took a little bit too long with this fucking show, man. You know, I tried to make a point, and then I kind of just skipped over the point. The point I was trying to make earlier was that WWE split these shows into two nights, but this show went terribly long for a fucking seven-match card. I mean, we went from 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock. WWE had a lot of fluff in between. Like, we did we need to see Little Uzi Vert out there? I don't even know who the fuck that is. Who the fuck is Little Uzi Vert? And why do I need to see Little Uzi Vert on, on, on TV? Like, why do I need to see Pat McAfee versus The Miz in an unscheduled match? Like, I get Pat McAfee doesn't want to be away, but if he's not on the fucking show, why do you got to waste 15 minutes for nothing when WrestleMania was already at that point delivering a nice tempo and a nice flow. Like, we didn't need to see that. I would have rather you give four or five minutes to John Cena, Austin Theory, than have fucking Pat McAfee out there and do nothing. And he didn't even get a great reaction. Fans just wanted to see Sammy and KO win the fucking tag team titles. But they gave us a lot of fluff, a lot of in-between, a lot of video packages, a lot of this, a lot of that. Like, I get it. It's WrestleMania, but, man, cut, on, cut down on that shit, man. We don't need a seven-match match card going four hours. Could have easily just kept it to three and a half hours, and that would have been perfect. But this match only went about 10 or 11 minutes, honestly. Cena was in charge early. He got his ear bit by Austin Theory. He was frustrated at that point because... Austin Theory's already using lowbrow tactics to get, a, to get advantage here. So Theory used vertical suplexes. He hit a beautiful-looking blockbuster, his rolling signature dropkick for a two-count. Cena then dodged another dropkick attempt. He went and applied his STF, which really got the crowd early on excited. Theory then again bit Cena to get out of it. So he's using the uh, Mike Tyson technique to get out of Whatever Cena has him in uh, at the beginning of this match. Cena went for a uh, attitude adjustment, but Theory slipped out. Hit a nice-looking DDT for two. Theory held a headlock on Cena. Cena got his feet, or got to his feet, and did his usual comeback. The five moves of doom. I know you guys miss that, man. You love the five moves of doom. That obviously popped the crowd, because we don't really see that all the time anymore. He hit the five-knuckle shuffle. And he hit his shoulder tackles. And then uh, the usual from John Cena. So uh, Cena put Theory in an attitude adjustment position. And this knocked the referee over. So Theory then was put into the STF. Referee was down. Austin Theory tapped out. John Cena let go of the hold. And he thought he had won the United States Championship. He did not realize that the referee had been knocked out. So he releases the hold. He raises his hands in the air as if he thinks he won, expecting the referee to raise his hand and hand him the United States Championship. So Cena let go. He goes over and looks at the referee. He walks right into Austin Theory, who gets to his knees and delivers a low blow. Forearm right between the legs. Cena goes down. A-Town down for the 1-2-3, and Austin Theory 
wins with the low blow on John Cena, and that is it. Biggest win of Austin Theory's career. I love John Cena. I think John Cena is uh, easily, I don't know if he's the greatest of all time. He's not in my top greatest of all time. That is reserved for Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. John Cena is without a doubt one of the greatest of all time. John Cena is at least, I would say John Cena is on my Mount Rushmore for sure. John Cena and everything that John Cena is a part of, he he just makes it feel important. Michael Cole made a statement tonight that everybody should appreciate John Cena for the time that you have him because you don't know when the last time John Cena will wrestle us. Now, I do hope that John Cena does make a WWE return and it's a little bit more stable. I honestly think out of all the stories that WWE has in their pipeline, if WWE and John Cena do not adventure down the storyline of him chasing number 17, that is a huge opportunity lost. WWE having John Cena chase number 17 that leads to a WrestleMania match to close out his career is exactly what I want to see out of John Cena. He makes everything around him feel important. Everything that he's a part of feels on a grand scale. This was 11 minutes, but I thought Cena moved well in there. A lot of people told me, oh, Cena looked a little sloppy in there. Cena was never the greatest professional wrestler to begin with. He was never the most technical professional wrestler to begin with. Cena also wrestles once or maybe twice, if we're lucky, a year. So for him to be still in great shape, for John Cena to still go in there and do the bare minimum and do it great and still give off the vibe that he is still one of the most important parts of the entire show and everything that revolves around him is of great importance, then John Cena is doing his job. Simple. John Cena has a right to be a little off. He's not there part. He's not there full time anymore. He's only there one time a year, two if we are lucky. Who knows if he's going to still be here come tomorrow, come Monday. We may not see him till SummerSlam. But start showing some respect for John Cena. I thought what he did tonight was right on par with what you would expect with John Cena. Was it a great match? No, it wasn't a great match. Was it a WrestleMania-worthy match? Yes, because it's John Cena. Was the in-ring prowess of John Cena on level of what we saw tonight with the rest of the show? It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be. He's older. He's slower. He has a new career in front of him. This is not his priority anymore. So for everybody coming at me when I tweeted something out, John Cena looked good tonight, and oh, John Cena was boring. Why are you telling me John Cena is boring when you don't have a lot of John Cena left? Shut your fucking mouth and appreciate what the fuck the guy's doing. Austin Theory. I keep saying that Austin Theory is the future of the company. That cannot be any more true. Every time we see him, it becomes more true. Austin Theory is the future of the WWE. I don't give a shit if you don't like him. I don't give a shit if you think he's boring. I don't give a shit if you think he's John Cena manufactured by WWE in 2023. I don't care. Austin Theory is the fucking future of the company. And I honestly think Austin Theory in the next 
12 to 24 months, will be a world champion in WWE. Mark my words. And if it doesn't happen then in that time frame, it is inevitably going to happen right after that. The future. He looked like a complete professional out there. He did not waver. He did not stutter. He did not look nervous. Now, we had a WrestleMania match last year with Pat McAfee. I don't really consider that much of anything. It was a WrestleMania match, and it was a part of Vince McMahon's protege angle, which, I mean, fuck that. What a lame fucking version of Austin Theory that was, right? This is Triple H's version of Austin Theory. But yes, he wrestled Pat McAfee last year. I don't really count that. This is the Austin Theory that you need to start paying attention to. That was Austin Theory going into WrestleMania as a complete professional in the biggest match of that kid's life, and he looked like a fucking 10-year veteran out there. Excellent. Excellent. And this is the shit that I pick up on. How old is he, 24, 25 years old? I remember, I was telling some people tonight, I remember two years ago, two years ago, I'm watching Austin Theory in Queens at Club Laboom while he was wrestling. It might have been longer than that. Three years ago, four years ago, at Club Laboom in Queens as I went to go watch an Evolve show. He was the Evolve World Champion when Evolve was still around before WWE closed it down. And he was in the ring. I watched him wrestle Roderick Strong. I wrestled, uh, or I watched him wrestle uh, AR Fox, I believe. I mean, I, even then, watching him front and center, I said to myself, this kid's going to be the next coming of John Cena for WWE. There's no way. And, and Evolve was kind of in bed with WWE at the time. There's no way that WWE is going to overlook this kid, man. He legitimately looked like the second coming of John Cena. No facial hair. Legitimately, like, if you could clone John Cena, that's it. Austin Theory. And I was impressed by him then. Then he went to NXT, and I'm like, this kid's got it. I remember him from those days. This kid's got it. Give him some fucking time. They kind of rushed him up to the main roster, and then they didn't really know what they were doing with him. Then he went back down to NXT. Then he got called up again, and Vince got his hands on him. And clearly when Vince saw him, he seen exactly what I had seen and what many others had seen. That is the next coming of John Cena. They knew it. We all knew it. But he really wasn't doing much of anything. He was... Under the tutelage of Vince McMahon, but Vince McMahon doesn't really have an, uh, an eye for talent anymore. That's when Triple H gets involved, and the first thing that Triple H wanted to do was get the anchor around his fucking ankles off, which was that Money in the Bank briefcase. Yes, it was lame. Yes, the Money in the Bank briefcase being cashed in for United States title looks fucking stupid, but are you complaining about it now? Only for him to win that title back again, right, with a new vision and a new gimmick and a new attitude after cashing in and failing to win that title the first time, are you thinking about that moment now? Is it a hindrance to him? He just got through WrestleMania and beat John Cena. Who's talking about him cashing in for a fucking United States championship? Zero. Nobody. Austin Theory is the future. And if you don't like it, get used to it. It's going to be a thing that you see on your TV regularly for the next 10 to 15 years. This guy's going to be the company guy, the guy that they build the fucking future around, and it's going to be great. And he's going to be fucking awesome. I could not. And when I'm high on somebody, man, I am high on them. MJF, Austin Theory, guys like that. That's your future. That is your pro wrestling for the modern day right there. Those two guys. Nobody better. 
Nobody's better than MJF and Austin Theory right now. Love it. Fatal four-way tag team match. Winners of this, I do believe, get a number one contendership for the men's tag team championships, which right now are being held by Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Street Profits, Braun Strowman, Ricochet, Alpha Academy, and the Viking Raiders. This match went eight minutes. Cena and Theory went 11 minutes. So we got 19, roughly 20 minutes before the third match took place. Bell to bell, 20 minutes roughly for the first two matches. Show went four hours. What the fuck did we do? What did we do? I don't know. It's the only negative takeaway I have for tonight's show. A little too long for a match or for a match card that had seven matches on it. I said on Monday... When we got that big eight-man tag team match on Monday Night Raw. Set it on Friday when we got that fatal four-way with four of these guys, whoever the fuck they were, on SmackDown. little teaser. little preview of tonight's match. This match has the potential to steal the night. These guys were given eight fucking minutes. These guys were given less time than anything on this entire show. And they went out there, and I guarantee you... You're talking about something Montez Ford did. You're talking about something Ricochet did. You're talking about something that Chad Gable did tonight. You're talking about that fucking unbelievable, massive Tower of Doom spot that they did tonight. This was a WrestleMania showcase. The only reason why this match was even put on the show is because WWE legitimately put the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal on Friday. It's not a WrestleMania staple anymore. And they needed to round out this card with a seventh match. Because night two, honestly, is looking a little weak as far as the matches are concerned. Balor, Edge, uh, we got the Intercontinental title and Cody and Roman. Outside that, there really isn't much of uh, of anything on, on, on tomorrow's show that I'm really looking forward to outside those three. We got Asuka and Bianca. We got that showcase women's fatal four-way, right? Bobby Lashley potentially showing up tomorrow, LA night, maybe some more surprises. Nobody knows. These guys were given eight minutes, and they made the most of the eight minutes. Honestly, I think what we saw on Monday Night Raw with that big eight-man tag, these guys pretty much solidified their uh, deserving spot at WrestleMania. They showed you on Monday why they deserve to be on WrestleMania, and God bless them. This was a great match for eight minutes. The Raiders got in there, and they did some crazy shit. There was one part in the match where Ivar was going up for a big splash, and Valhalla, Sarah Logan, said, nah, 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 turn around, big guy, turn around. He goes and does a moonsault off the top rope, so you know the big man can fly, man. Ivar is fucking great. I think the Viking Raiders are great, man. I just think their gimmick is over the top. I think the whole Viking witch-type dynamic there with Valhalla a little bit over the top, not not really too relatable on that end. But they had a nice showing in there. Gable, holy shit, man. Chad Gable, he gave Strowman the absolute most epic chaos theory German suplex that I think I have ever seen, man. And you have seen Chad Gable do some crazy fucking chaos theories in his time in WWE, man. There was a tweet on Twitter tonight where somebody said, 
Let's give Chad Gable a run with the United States Championship. Now, theoretically, you would look at that and say, yes, that's a great idea. Chad Gable versus Austin Theory for the United States title. Sign me the fuck up. Sign me up. Chad Gable in a solo role chasing a championship, period. Sign me the fuck up, man. Chad Gable is one of my favorite things about WWE television, man. The man is fucking incredible. I love the attitude. I love the charisma. I love Alpha Academy. Chad Gable is fucking tremendous. Dax Harwood of FTR said, United States title, how about the world title? So you see what others are thinking about Chad Gable in WWE and how underrated and undervalued and underutilized he is on WWE television. Do I think he's a world title caliber performer? Absolutely. Is the gimmick where it needs to be? Not at this point. It's a little too comedic for a world championship. But Chad Gable, man, take nothing away from him. One of the best pound for pound in the ring that WWE possesses right now. Chaos theory to Braun Strowman. He made Braun Strowman look like he was fucking 130 pounds. Never mind, 330 pounds. Holy shit. He yelled, thank you, after it, because the fucking crans- the, the, the Los Angeles crowd gave him a standing ovation. Standing ovation for Chad Gable after a fucking chaos theory. A heel, Chad Gable. Chaos theory on Braun Strowman gave him a standing ovation. Ivar, like I said, tried to moonsault. Angelo Dawkins moved out of the way. Strowman followed with a splash. Strowman went to the top rope. Ivar missed the moonsault. He's like, all right, big man, you want to go fly? I'm going to go fly, too. He flies off the top rope. And he delivered a nice-looking big splash, did Braun Strowman. Otis gave Strowman a world's strongest slam, breaking up the cover. There was a massive Tower of Doom spot where four people held up Montez Ford long enough for Ricochet to fly off the top rope and knock the entire group over, man. Montez was in a fucking stalling suplex. I don't, I don't, re- I don't even remember who was holding him up. But you saw that time was ticking on that ricochet, climbed that top rope, man, like his life depended on it. And as soon as he got up there, he flew the fuck off, man. That was a great looking Tower of Doom spot. Strowman ran around the ring. He did the Strowman Express. Wee-hee! Everybody loves the Strowman Express. Knocking everyone over, but Dawkins actually cut him off by hitting his own shoulder tackle. Ricochet. My God, man, Ricochet needs to be in a bigger role. I swear to God, man, I can't wait for the day for Ricochet to be in a title match or, or a spotlighted match for a championship of some sorts on this type of stage, man. Ricochet did one of the most beautiful shooting star presses that I have ever seen, man. It almost looked like he got suspended in midair. It's almost like he was legitimately flying. Now, I don't know if it was the height that he got or just the camera angle that they shot him at because they shot him right from below or as a mix of both. But my God, man, it was a thing of beauty. He wiped out Dawkins and Eric with a shooting star press on the outside. Michael Cole, who was on top of his game tonight, was going bonkers at ringside. Ricochet then tried for a move in the ring, but Dawkins got his knees up. He went for a shooting star press. Got the knees up. 
Dawkins held Ricochet on his knees. Ford hit a frog splash, which looked like it sucked big time because not only was he hanging on Angelo Dawkins' knees, then you got Montez coming off the top rope, driving his body into Ricochet, into Dawkins' knees. That got to suck, man. So at that point, Dawkins pinned Ricochet. Profits celebrated, and they get a big victory here at WrestleMania. Are we looking at the Street Profits versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens? For those undisputed tag team championships. I don't even know if this team is getting a tag team title opportunity. I don't even know if anything was on the line here. Maybe some of you guys can correct me. Maybe. But if that's the case, man, I'll take it. It's a nice little match up there. Maybe this guy, maybe they got something going on brewing with the Street Profits. Maybe a potential breakup. Maybe some more teases about a breakup. I don't know. But I thought like a heel team was going to win this thing. And then heel team gets the tag team title opportunity. It's a nice little... Nice little match for the new babyface team of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to beat them. No harm, no foul. But here we, got, here we are with the Street Profits, who desperately needed a win in their own right, got the win. And it was a great eight-minute match. Everybody shined. Can't take anything away from them, man. They, they, went, in, they went into WrestleMania. They got the, 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 the least amount of time, and they killed it. They made the most of the time, man. Beautiful stuff. Xavier Woods, he was in the back with Liv Morgan, Butch, Rich Holland, and Tyler Breeze making his WWE TV return. Not really in an active role, but he is on up, up, down, down with Xavier Woods. They ran a simulation on WWE 2K23, which determined that Seth Rollins would beat Logan Paul tonight at WrestleMania 39. Now, was that going to be the magic eight ball uh, correct answer? I don't know. I don't know. Stranger things have happened in WWE. But when all is said and done here, another match that a lot of people said, you know what? This potentially has the makings of stealing the entire show. And this was an absolute banger. Of a match at WrestleMania. Everything about Seth Rollins and Logan Paul was WrestleMania worthy down to the very last fucking uh, three count. As soon as that referee hit the three, man, everything about this match from the entrances to the actual in-ring stuff to the hijinks, everything here was just quintessential WrestleMania. And it wasn't cheesy. It wasn't... You know, Johnny Knoxville fucking jackass lame like Sami Zayn in Knoxville last year at WrestleMania. This was a tremendous match. Seth Rollins and Logan Paul delivered a fucking absolute WrestleMania banger. Absolute banger. Logan Paul came in on a zip line, which got me to cringe a little bit because every time I see a zip line or anybody that is hanging above the crowd in that manner. I can't help but think about Owen Hart. But Logan Paul wasn't, he wasn't like in the fucking rafters. He wasn't on top of the fucking, you know, building. He wasn't on top of SoFi Stadium. So, you know, it it looked innocent enough, but I can't help but think about, you know, what had happened in the past with Owen Hart on a similar stunt This was more like a Shawn Michaels type of innocent thing, him coming into the fucking arena at WrestleMania 12. So uh, it it wasn't as egregious as I initially thought it was going to be. 
But he came in on a zip line. He, he was mic'd up. He was bragging about how he was entering and how it was his birthday. And he was holding a blue prime energy drink, cheap plug for his energy drink, which I actually had the uh, pleasure of trying not too long ago, man. Not really uh, anything all that special. I've had better, you know. But Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins' entrance, man, you know, it doesn't need to be over the top. It doesn't need to be, you know, this big production. Seth Rollins has gotten over on WWE TV in this current gimmick, in this current character progression that he's on. He is more over and finally has found his footing as an individual performer after several years of kind of being lost in the shuffle, several years of trying to find out who he is following the days of the Shield. You know, he really hasn't had anything stick. I remember when he was the Messiah. I actually liked that gimmick. I thought that gimmick was actually underrated, to be quite honest with you. Then they got into the Rey Mysterio feud and then the eye for an eye match and Rey Mysterio's eyeball popping out and all this other shit. That's when you, you, you kind of really lost me with that. Then he goes into what we see now. And this is by far easily the best in-ring work and the best character work that Seth Rollins has done to a point in his WWE career. This is it right here. Rollins has held this company on his back. Whether you want to agree with that or not, Roman Reigns obviously is the guy. Roman Reigns is the WWE. But when Roman Reigns is not there, the workhorse of this company, bar none, and there's no refuting this, is Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is the fucking heart and soul of WWE. Rollins, and I men, and I mentioned this before, man. I've mentioned this. This was last year at WrestleMania, and then going into his feud with Cody, and then after his feud with Cody, you know, him going into his feud with Matt Riddle uh, after WrestleMania, going into the fall and uh, winter months. Seth Rollins is the most selfless WWE superstar on the entire roster. Seth Rollins has done more for others than he has done for himself. WWE has done more for others than WWE has done for Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins was interviewed by Daniel Cormier this WrestleMania weekend. He highlighted a legit issue that he had with Cody Rhodes. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but Seth Rollins and the premise of his interview with Daniel Cormier was, yeah, we don't like each other. Yeah, we don't get along I don't like the fact that Cody Rhodes has been gone for six years, goes somewhere else, starts a company, tries to take food off of our table and what we do here only for him to come back and then get handed the keys to the kingdom when that realistically should be my spot. That's his gripe. Now, a lot of people are saying, yeah, maybe he was in character. Maybe they're planting seeds for something to happen. Maybe they're planting seeds for a heel turn, which I do think is a possibility. I do think that that interview with Daniel Cormier, if you guys saw it, I do think that they are setting up for something to potentially happen in the future with Seth Rollins, possibly turning heel, because we all know if Cody wins the title, he's going to be the babyface in the company. He's going to be the babyface champion. He's going to need heels to work with. That could honestly be Seth Rollins. If Cody wins the world championship tomorrow, are we taking the championship off of Cody anytime soon after that? It's going to be one of those situations where if Cody wins the world championship tomorrow night from Roman Reigns, 
I, I don't see Cody Rhodes losing the world championship till possibly next year's WrestleMania. There are challenges lined up for Cody. I mean, there are stories there for Cody to tell as world champion. But Rollins may be looking at another year without a world championship when we all know that he's delivering world championship caliber performances and he's getting world championship caliber reactions from the crowd. WWE is absolutely going to have to split a world championships situation. They're going to have to split the WWE championship from the Universal Championship. And maybe Seth Rollins, if Cody wins the WWE championship or the championships from Roman, we split the championship some way, shape, or form, get the Universal title onto SmackDown. Maybe Rollins gets drafted over there and he's the guy to win the world championship over there. Rollins, at some point, the point I'm trying to make, is going to need to be repaid for the body of work that he has done because it has been too long where he's given, 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 and he hasn't been given anything in regards to a championship or a top-of-the-line push. Yet he goes out there and fucking kills it every single fucking time. He is the backbone of WWE when you aren't talking about Roman Reigns. He went into this match tonight with Logan Paul. This was as good as if there was a title on the line. That's how good this match was. His entrance was simple yet effective. They had a musical composer out there by the name of Jasper Randall, who was on stage leading the crowd, singing Rollins' theme with his fucking baton. He was like one of the musical composers, man, doing a symphony. He had the crowd, half the crowd sing Rollins' theme, and then he stopped, and they had the other half do Rollins' theme, and then they stopped. Tremendous. Just play into what is effective. And that was brilliant. I love it. Simple is best. Logan Paul, he wore yellow and blue. Rollins wore all pink. Don't know what the pink color symbolizes. I guess we may find out after uh, WrestleMania is over when those little uh, Easter eggs start to come out. Logan Paul is out there with a fucking prime mascot dressed in a prime mascot outfit. He's dressed as this prime blue bottle of energy drink. Now I'm saying, whoever this is is definitely going to get involved in this match. Now, I didn't know who it was. The first inkling that I had, it's got to be Jake Paul. It's got to be his brother Jake Paul underneath there. So, Rollins was in control for a little bit here at the start. Logan Paul threw him over the top rope and kind of made fun of him. Ha, ha, ha. I did the same thing, same thing to you at the Royal Rumble. And here I am at WrestleMania doing the same thing to you again. So he then followed in the ring with a buckshot lariat. Now, they're actually calling it the Maverick lariat. But a lot of people popped on social media. Ha, ha, ha. Logan Paul does a better buckshot lariat than Adam Page. Give me a break. Logan Paul also punched Rollins in the stomach, and Michael Cole saw the fact that Logan Paul has a screw embedded in his hand from a previous injury. So the right hand is the knockout punch. Logan Paul was in control. He missed a step-up moonsault at one point. Rollins made it come back. Suicide dives to the outside, three of them consecutively. This popped the crowd big. Rollins stomped on Paul's right hand into the steel steps. And that is what Rollins wanted to do to kind of take away that equalizer, that right hand that the match was really built around. 
Logan Paul gets that right hand on him, it's over because he's knocked him out before. So Rollins says, fuck that shit. I'm going to stomp on his hand. I'm going to take that right hand away from him in this match. Logan Paul counted a pedigree by Rollins, and then they traded cradles back and forth. Nice little sequence there by the two guys. Logan Paul punched Rollins with the right hand, and he basically knocked him out, but he also injured himself, and he was injured to a point where he could not make the cover. So it took Paul too long to make the cover. Rollins kicked out of the right-hand punch. Paul, he looked like he was going for a curb stomp, but Rollins caught him and hit a sit-out powerbomb for a nice-looking two-count. So Logan Paul knew that he was kind of reeling here. He was in the danger zone. So the prime mascot on the outside, this geek dressed in the costume, dressed as the energy drink, pulled Logan Paul to the outside and the mascot then ripped off his face and revealed it was Logan Paul's business partner for Prime Energy Drink, YouTuber, and social media sensation KSI. So KSI was underneath the Prime outfit, the Prime mascot costume. I thought it was Jake Paul. It ended up being Logan Paul's business partner here for Prime Energy. Paul shoved Rollins into the ring post and placed Rollins on the announce table. So now Rollins is laying out on the announce table. And Logan Paul's only got one thing on his mind. Bitch, I'm going to go viral. That's all he wanted to do. I'm going to go viral. So Logan Paul dove on top of, or climbed the top rope. He was about to dive off the top rope. Rollins popped up on the table, grabbed KSI, and pulled him onto the table. And this spot was so fucking good, man. Logan Paul's not even looking at what's going on here, man. He's taking a sip of his energy drink, and he's fucking doing Triple H on the fucking ring apron. He's spitting fucking energy drink into the air. He's not even looking at what's going on down below. Meanwhile, Rollins pulls this fucking, he punches him in the face, pulls him on top of the table. Logan Paul jumps off the fucking ring post like Shane McMahon does and flies to the announce table, thinking he's going to splash Seth Rollins, but in fact... Rollins pulled KSI onto the table, and Logan Paul splashes KSI through the announce table. Unbelievable. That popped the crowd big. So KSI, man, he shows up, he dresses up, and he takes a fucking massive bump in his debut at WrestleMania. Rollins pulled Paul into the ring, hit a pedigree, Logan Paul kicks out. Crowd was on his feet, they're going crazy at this point. Logan Paul gets up. He hits the go to sleep, which Michael Cole called by name. He said Logan Paul hits the GTS to go to sleep. He, he, he hits a frog splash. He goes up to the top rope. He hits a beautiful looking frog splash on Rollins. Two count. Logan Paul then tried to do a coast to coast drop kick. But Rollins super kicked him out of midair and followed up with a curb stomp. And that was enough for the win And Seth Rollins gets his WrestleMania win in 2023. Excellent, excellent match. Everything about it was quintessential grade A WrestleMania. And man, what a cheap, shameless plug for Prime Energy, man. That's what I call a fucking marketing campaign if I ever seen one. They did say we got surprises, man. We got KSI underneath the Prime Energy costume. So there you go. Logan Paul, man. WWE, no doubt about it, is going to re-up this guy, whether it's for a year or two years, depending on how 
long Logan Paul wants to do it. He's going to make more money in his second run than he did his first run because now no, now WWE knows what he's fully capable of. He went in there against the fucking biggest name in the entire industry in Roman Reigns and gave a near five-star match. He went into WrestleMania this year and gave a great match with Seth Rollins. Is there anything that Logan Paul can't do? You know, I know, I know a lot of people may not like him. A lot of wrestling fans may not like him. Uh, he doesn't really care for the business. He only cares about his own brand and his own fucking shit going on. He wants to go viral. He's got his podcast. He's got his energy drink. All he wants is clicks and likes and views and fucking Instagram and TikTok. That's great. That's great. But WWE is helping him out, and he's helping out WWE because Logan Paul's got a tremendous audience. And Logan Paul is not coming in here as this celebrity, I'm just going to do this for a quick buck. Logan Paul is going out there and delivering fucking banger after banger after banger. And Logan Paul has single-handedly done the impossible here. And he's taken the celebrity appearance for WWE and basically has set the bar for WrestleMania celebrity appearances that if anybody else after Logan Paul comes in and they don't equate to what Logan Paul has done, then they're going to be a fucking complete flop. So what Logan Paul realistically has done for WWE is not only give them more attention and bring more notoriety on top of what WWE usually generates, he set the bar for celebrity appearances to a point where if you get anybody else coming in and they don't duplicate or come even close to what Logan Paul's doing, who wants to see it? Who wants to see it? That's the type of influence he's had. Now, how long does he want to do it? I don't know. How many more matches does Logan Paul have in him? I can't really tell you. I can't tell you. John Cena is an inevitability. That's going to happen whether they want to do a one-match thing or not, sign up to a contract or not. It's going to happen. SummerSlam is going to be the location for John Cena and Logan Paul. The match is going to happen. But outside that, what else does Logan Paul have to do? I think WWE realizes what this guy's worth, what he can do in there. I think he's earned the respect of a lot of people, the fans and the locker room alike. Yes, he may be doing it for himself, but he's come in here and he's treated their business with the utmost respect to a point where he's out there working just as hard, if not harder, than most of the fucking people in the industry. It's not going in there and fucking, you know, la-di-da-di-da, eight minutes, and here we go. He's putting on fucking clinics in there. Why not? Why not give him another contract? Why not book him for a Saudi show or, or a Royal Rumble or a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam? I love it. And Seth Rollins, man, give this fucking guy his flowers, get him a fucking world championship, and get this guy the prize that he so deserves. Tired of seeing Seth Rollins, you know, go out there when you got the likes of Kenny Omega burning shit down, winning titles, and you got Will Ospreay, guys like that, burning it down, winning championships. And Rollins just kind of floating in between the fucking mid-card and the world championships, and he's helping this guy get over. He's putting this guy over. He's not winning championships. He's looking at Cody win the world championship. He believes he should be in the main event with Roman Reigns. Is he wrong? Based off the body of work, is he wrong? No, he's not. Let's start getting Seth Rollins some fucking world championships, man. I think the fans are going to really like that. Six-woman tag team title match. Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, and Lita versus Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky. This was the weakest 
match on the entire card for night one. Not to say that it was bad, but this match had no heat going into it. This match had no heat going into WrestleMania. This match had no heat coming out of WrestleMania, and I sat there doing this. Why do I care? I don't care. I don't give a single shit. Now, I will say this. You know, I've, I've pushed the Vince McMahon narrative on social media and on my show, and I do believe in my heart of hearts that Vince McMahon has had some creative control over things in WWE. Not everything, but he's had creative control over things in WWE. This is one of them. This is one of them. I said this as we started to see Lita show up out of nowhere. Very bizarre the way Lita showed up, legitimately out of nowhere to help Becky Lynch win a steel cage match. Then we see Trish Stratus show up, and I'm thinking to myself, why are these two on WrestleMania? Now, I get WrestleMania is the showcase of the immortals, right? But what good does Lita and Trish Stratus do for a women's division right now that should really be focusing on the current talent that they have? WWE just does not know how to book women's wrestling. That's what it boils down to. WWE does not know how to book women's wrestling at all. Going into the Royal Rumble, Triple H made one thing a priority, especially for the Women's Royal Rumble. I will not be booking the Women's Royal Rumble as we have done it in the past. The way Vince McMahon did it was, you know, you'll get your main roster stars in there, and then half of the fucking field is going to be Hall of Famers or returning legends because he doesn't want to use NXT talent. He doesn't want to use any of the bottom of the barrel talents on the main roster that he doesn't like, like a Dana Brooke or... You know, uh, uh, you know who else? Natalia, uh, who Nat- not Natalia? T- Tamina, or whoever else is out there, right? Triple H this year, he went into the Royal Rumble, and he made it a priority to use all the returns that he brought back, and mix it with the current talent that's been on the roster, mix it with some NXT talent, and I think the only legend he used in the Royal Rumble is Michelle McCool, who was sitting front row behind Michael Cole at the Royal Rumble, and she jumped in and actually wrestled in what she was wearing, sitting in attendance. That was it. She had like a five-minute showing in there. She got eliminated. Innocent enough. I'll take one. I don't take 15. I'll take one. So then we see Lita show up. I'm like, oh, that's fucking weird. Out of nowhere. Uh, where, Where the fuck did Lita come from, and how does she factor into the Becky Lynch story? The way I see it is Vince called Lita up, And then Vince called Trish up and we needed something to have on television to give the women some sort of importance going into WrestleMania. Now, this is against what Triple H has done. And now we got Lita and Trish Stratus kind of taking priority on television. Right underneath is Bianca and Asuka. I mean, this right now is the biggest storyline on WWE TV for the women. And the championship is second priority. I don't, I don't really think that's the right model and the right way to go about things here. So this is why I say Vince McMahon is partially to blame for this little trio here of Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus. Then they win the tag team championships, which was completely unnecessary. We don't need Lita holding tag team championships in, in 2023. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is definitely not a Triple H thing. This is, this is a Vince McMahon fucking change. This is a Vince McMahon call. So be it. Then we get the rumors of Trish Stratus potentially turning heel, leading into a SummerSlam match with Becky Lynch. I think that is where they're going with this. 
eventually. We didn't see any of that happening tonight, but that's where I do think they're going with this because they don't know any better. The company doesn't know any better. The other thing that the company doesn't know is damage control. They've flopped big time. Failure. Damage control is a complete fucking failure. Bailey was so good during the pandemic era, leading the goddamn charge. It was Asuka. It was Sasha. It was Bailey in that women's division. EO, or not EO, uh, Kyrie. It was the Kabuki Warriors, and it was fucking the Boston Hug Connection during the pandemic era. They led that fucking company during the pandemic era, and they were the best things on television. Easy. WWE had Bailey and Sasha operating at such a high level. Bailey, as a heel, operating at such a high level. She gets injured, and she comes back, and she's never the same. She's never the same. Damage control looked to be, oh my God, this is great. This is really a change. This is a much-needed addition. We got EO on the main roster. She's fucking one of the best women's wrestlers in the entire world. Dakota Kai is tremendous. You let her go. She's fucking great. Mixed with Bailey, there's no way they could bomb this. They, there's no way that they could fail here. They never caught fire at all. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was a mix of Bailey and a mix of EO and a mix of Dakota not gelling together. I don't know if it was a lack of charisma on EO and Dakota Kai's behalf or lack of character development. I don't know what it is or what it was, but damage control never took off. Most of the time I looked at Bailey, it's almost as if she was struggling to find her footing as a heel, and it was so easy for her to do before she got injured. She never really recovered and found that footing as a heel again. She started to kind of get into the swing of things a little bit later on down the road as we got closer and closer to WrestleMania, and she's been a little bit more comfortable, but she's never really stepped up and said, you know what? I'm the fucking bitch here. I'm the boss, and I'm going to do what I did when I was back with Sasha during the pandemic era. She never found it. Never found it. So going into this match, it was either sink or swim. And I don't really know why damage control was in this thing from the get-go. And we weren't already planning a breakup of this, of this, of this trio. Like that should have been, still that, that's a potential, that's a potential that could happen. We could see that, but. You know, if they were going into WrestleMania, the one thing that I would have absolutely done creatively is start building a breakup of, of damage control, whether that means Dakota and EO breaking up from Bailey or Bailey leaving them. Something needs to happen here. Bailey needs to be removed from damage control. Bailey is being damaged by damage control. Her stock has never been lower. So I think Bailey on her own as a heel is what's needed here. And then we get EO, EO away from this shit, and EO as a top attraction in the women's division, showing us what she can do as a solo act, the way she did it in NXT, and get Dakota as a solo act. She's good enough and has been good enough to do it on her own. What are we doing here? We're just beating around the bush. We're getting the wheels in motion over and over and over again every single week, and it's not going anywhere. So the ladies go in there, and they have a decent match. Decent match. I expected a lot worse. The crowd wasn't really all that into it. They give us what they give us. Trish looked decent in there. She looked like she was a lot better than Lita. Lita, even when she won the tag team titles on that Monday Night Raw where they wrestled the tag team champions, Dakota and Io at the time, even Lita then was, it was almost as if she was moving in quicksand. She just never got her footing. She was very slow and it was almost as if she was moving in slow motion. She moved the same way here, man. It's almost as if 
It's almost as if she she forgot how to wrestle. Now, yes, she's older, but this is what Vince this is what Vince has done. He's put the tag team championships on Becky and Lita, who is nowhere near as good as she was. For what? Because she's a name, because she's notable, she's a legend, and it looks good on the marquee. No. Trish looked okay. Trish looked a lot better than Lita, but Lita did not look good out there. It's the second time in a row I'm saying this, man. And the second Lita match in a row. She didn't look good out there. I don't know how else to put it. Very slow. It was maybe a move here and there, a head scissor takedown or a Horan Karana that she did. But, I mean, not really the best showcase here for, for Lita. So, at the end of this thing... Everyone was shredding shots. Trish Stratus hit Stratus Faction and Bailey giving Stratus a Bailey to Belly. This led EO knocking everyone out with a moonsault off the top rope to the outside. Everyone brawled in the ring until Lita gave Sky a twist of fate. At one point, they tried poetry in motion, which Lita couldn't even fucking jump off of Trish's back to do poetry in motion. I mean, she couldn't even get that right. So after the moonsault by EO, everyone brawled in the ring. Lita gave Sky a twist of fate. Stratus gave Kai a chick kick. Lita hit a nice-looking moonsault on both Kai and Sky. Becky Lynch then gave Bailey, who was uh, on the top rope. They were both on the top rope, kind of jockeying for position there. Uh, and, and by that point, Dakota and EO were taken out. Lynch gave Bailey a second-rope manhandle slam for the one, two, three. And that was it. Is damage control going to say enough is enough? It's time for change and kick Bailey out of the group. I hope so, because change certainly needs to happen here. Damage control is going nowhere, and there's legitimately nothing else for them to do. Becky and Lita are tag team champions. By the end of tomorrow night, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler will be the number one contenders. And WWE, all they want to do and all they care about is getting Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey in the ring together thinking that it's going to be a spectacle match for the women's division. And it's not. And it's not. WWE needs to do a better job of booking the women. Asuka and Bianca Belair has been fucking horrendous. There's no story. The match should be fine, but there's no story. The lack of story is very, very concerning. Or the level of story, I should say, is very concerning because Asuka has pretty much taken a downward trajectory from the Royal Rumble. You just see things that Triple H wanted to do with Asuka slowly start to be stripped away because Vince McMahon says, no, it's getting over and it's not my idea. Let's get rid of it. That's the way I feel. There needs to be stories on top of the Beckys and the Charlottes and the Biancas. That's their problem. WWE does not write stories unless you are part of their elite. That cannot be all that there is in the women's division. We need sub-stories. There should be at least two to three stories minimum in the women's division. Not just the women's championship and not because Becky Lynch needs a fucking story and she gets placed in a fucking championship title program and she's at the top of the card. That doesn't mean you get to skimp on everybody else. You got 80% of a women's division there that are in nothing. Do better. The same shit every single fucking time. Boring. 
That's why when the women are on television, people tune out. That's why women are on television, nobody gives a shit. Nobody's invested in the stories that they're telling. You want to make the shows better. You can't give us that and expect us to care. They don't make the show better. Your writing for them doesn't make the show better. It makes the show worse and it makes the show unwatchable. Becky Lynch and Leader and, and Trish Stratus win. Don't know when the heel turn is going to come. This rumored heel turn of Trish Stratus. I'm assuming when Ronda and Shayna challenge for the tag team championships, that's when they pull the trigger on Trish and then we get Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus supposedly set up at SummerSlam. You don't have anybody else on the roster to set up for a feud with Becky Lynch. It's got to be Trish Stratus. Bad Bunny. He joined the Spanish announce table for Dominic and Rey Mysterio. Dominic's entrance. I didn't know what I was watching at first. I thought I was watching a video package. And all of a sudden, we, we, we get to hear the police sirens and the police corrections van enters the building. And I'm like, holy shit, this was a part of his entrance. So what we watched was Dominic's entrance being featured in a video of him being escorted out of a prison, beautifully shot, cinematically shot, being escorted out of a prison, and they loaded him into a corrections vehicle, put him in cuffs. They obviously had him, you know, dressed to wrestle, closed the door, Then they go and give us a live shot of the police corrections vehicle, which I believe was an NYPD corrections vehicle in Los Angeles. That's what people were telling me on social media. The corrections vehicle driving into SoFi Stadium, and they open the door, and he's dressed in his coat, and he's got Ray's mask on, and he's handcuffed, and he's being walked through the crowd with five or six police officers five or six LAPD police officers into the fucking ringside area. This was tremendous fucking television. I mean, Dominic has been such a turnaround that I'd love to know what WWE's secret is here. I I really do. Dominic was so shit. And I mean this, I mean this wholeheartedly and honestly. Dominic was so fucking boring. And Dominic was so... It was almost as if every time he was on TV, I just couldn't bear to watch him wrestle anymore. He was just fucking, he was legitimately channel-changing garbage. Whatever their secret was, I don't know what it is, man, but I'd love to know what the secret recipe is. They, they, they turned this kid into an overnight sensation. He joined Judgment Day. It was the best thing that they've ever did. The best decision that, one of the best creative decisions that Triple H has ever did is Dominic joining Judgment Day, feuding with his father, He's literally transformed his entire fucking character. He's gotten confidence on the microphone. He's gained confidence by working alongside Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. He's gained confidence by working with his father and developing into his own fucking man. He's great, and he's, he's getting older. He's getting more mature. We're seeing it. That's one of the best things that I love about watching pro wrestling. You see them grow up right before your very eyes, when he's turning into his own man. Judgment Day has been a blessing in disguise for, for, for Dominic Mysterio. Easy. So this entire entrance was fucking tremendous. He's out there. He's getting heel heat. His mother is out by ringside. His sister is out by ringside. Aaliyah is out there. We get Rey Mysterio. He's being driven, not in a police vehicle. 
he was being driven into the WrestleMania um, or off the stage. He was being driven in the back by Snoop Dogg. I don't know what Snoop Dogg was driving. Jesse told me that that was Snoop Dogg's actual vehicle. He was in this low rider. This orange low rider, the back of the trunk popped up. It had one of Snoop's quotes in the back. Um, Snoop's music was obviously playing from the car. They drive in from the back to the side of where the entrance ramp is. And then all of a sudden, Eddie Guerrero's theme music hits the PA system. And we hear, you know, lie, cheat, and steal. And the crowd, when Eddie's theme music hit, popped the crowd so good. Nobody expected it. And I would be lying to you if when that theme music hit, I didn't get a little watery eyed, man, a little watery substance uh, starting to form in my eyes, man. What a fucking moment. And I think I popped because of the nostalgia feel of his theme mixed with the crowd and the crowd's energy to hearing the theme and just the energy of that arena, watching it on TV because... You know, it really it really made it, and I knew this was the case anyway before this, but it really just kind of made a point of how many people miss Eddie Guerrero. Legitimately. What an entrance. And then he gets out of the car, he gets to the stage, and then his actual theme music plays, and he walks down the aisle, and he's got this mask. Uh, some people were telling me that it was a throwback and kind of an... Uh, a subtle honor to, not really a subtle honor, but an honor to Conan, which I did not know. But to me, at first glance, I thought it was kind of a throwback. It almost looked like a great Muda mask. It looked like it was an honorary uh, kind of throwback, kind of paying homage to the great Muda. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what type of mask uh, Rey Mysterio was, make, uh, was, was wearing out to the ring. So if you guys can make it out what it is. I love to know. Some people were saying what's a, it was a paying homage to Conan. I look, I thought it looked like a great Muda paying homage, but whatever it was, it looked fantastic. It looked great. Ray and Dominic, it is going to be very difficult to top those entrances, man. It's going to be very, very difficult to top those entrances tomorrow night. Whoever's got entrances planned like that, I don't think WWE is going to be able to top them. Those are two of the best entrances uh, that I've seen in a very long time at WrestleMania. Awesome. Awesome, awesome stuff. Some people saying it's Marvel-based. Focus on my focus says it's Marvel. It did look a little Marvel-based. Maybe. But I, I honestly thought, the first thing that I thought was great Muda. Smash was great. This was one of my favorite things about night one. Ray versus Dominic Mysterio. Kind of thought that with Bad Bunny sitting out ringside that he was there for a reason. I'm like, uh, uh, Bad Bunny sitting by ringside. I think he's going to get involved here. And that's exactly what happened. Bad Bunny didn't get, did get involved, and I'll give my opinion on where I think that's going in, in a little bit. But this match was great. This match legitimately had everything you wanted. This was the second best story coming into WrestleMania, right underneath Sammy and KO versus the Usos. I put this above Roman and Cody going into WrestleMania. This is what the length of Dominic and Ray is what Cody and Roman should have been. The story here, man, the long-term booking is where it is at. That's why this match was so good. It had everything. Match itself was good. Dominic wrestled good. Ray wrestled good. The story was very, you know, it, it was right in your face. The match itself was story-driven. The little riffraff with the family at ringside, that kind of turned the tides for Dominic in the match early on. 
You know, the fact that uh, it is very relatable and, you know, Ray beating up his son, teaching his son a lesson. Still very relatable stuff. Then we got the LWO, the new Latino world order, joining forces, Legado del Fantasma fusing with the Mysterio family, making it into the LWO, a throwback to the Eddie Guerrero days. Then we got Dominic with Judgment Day. They're out there. We had all the casts of characters out here. And it was just a great story. Everything about it was just a great story. So Dominic tried to use, obviously Dominic is much bigger than his father. So he tried to use his size on Rey Mysterio. Rey threw Dominic out of the ring. Rey avoided a charge and sent Dom into the middle turnbuckle. Dominic was bent over. Rey removed his belt. So you got this point in the match where Dominic is kind of in between the ropes, and he's kind of positioned in between the second and third rope. So Ray takes his belt off, and he starts whipping Dominic in the ass with it as if he's giving him a beating. Now, my mother used the wooden spoon on me. You know, my mother's uh, weapon of choice back in the day was the wooden spoon. Some people had belts. Some people had shoes. So, uh, you know, I threw this question out a couple weeks ago. What is your parents back in the day, man, when you were a child? What was your parents' weapon of choice? What was your mother's weapon of choice when she used to fucking uh, slap some sense into you? Like I said, my mom's choice of weapon was the wooden spoon. I don't know what the fuck was with the wooden spoon, but it is what it is. Um, so he started whipping Dominic. And Michael Cole, Michael Cole, he was so animated. It, it Legitimately, it makes it seem like Michael Cole hates Dominic legitimately. That's how, that's how obsessed... Michael Cole was on commentary. He was going crazy when Dominic was being beaten with the belt. It was almost as if he was a part of the Rey Mysterio family. Michael Cole, man, I tell you, man. Michael Cole is, uh, he's getting fucking crazy in his old age, man. And the funny thing about Michael Cole is, I was never a big Michael Cole guy. He's actually gotten better now that Vince McMahon is not screaming in his fucking ear. He's getting better and I love, Michael Cole and Corey Graves are the best commentary team in the business when they are allowed to do commentary together. There's nobody better. Now, that was Moro and Nigel, but Moro is not doing it anymore, which makes my heart sad. I love that man. God, do I miss Moro. Nigel's on Ring of Honor now. Apparently, it's only a one-off, but I think Tony Khan is kind of holding back information from us. Nigel McGuinness is fucking great. I was, I was also sad when they let him go, WWE. Regardless. So Dominic is whipping, or uh, Ray, rather, is whipping Dominic. Crowd loved that. They popped big for that. Dominic went outside. He started complaining to his mom and sister. You're going to allow him to do that to me. You're going to allow him to do that to me. Dominic grabbed Aaliyah's drink, and she was angry, and he threw the drink in her face. She was so mad. She hopped over the barricade, and she was throttling the barricade, and Ray came over to stop her before she fully jumped the barricade to go attack Dominic. And Dominic seen an opening and he attacked his father. So at that point, Ray is down. Dominic worked over Ray, hit his dad with a Michinoku driver in the middle of the ring. Dominic got in his mom's face again, slapped him. Ray drove him into the ring post. Ray then went to go kiss his wife. Ray then gave Dominic a springboard crossbody back into the ring for a two count. Damian Priest and Finn Balor suddenly appear at ringside 
It looked like Ray went for a seated senton, but Dominic flipped him onto the bottom turnbuckle, which looked fucking brutal. He hit face first on the bottom turnbuckle, did Ray Mysterio. Referee then went to go check on Ray Mysterio, and then they showed Bad Bunny reacting on commentary. He was a little concerned for Ray Mysterio as well. Dominic went for the three amigos, but Ray Mysterio slipped out after the first one. Dominic never even got to the second one and knocked him into the middle turnbuckle. He then hit the 619. Ray went for the top. Big splash off the 619, but Finn Balor jumped on the apron and distracted the referee while Damian Priest knocked Ray off the top rope. Santos, Escobar, and Legado del Fantasma ran out to even the odds. Santos Escobar wiped out Priest with a suicide dive. This was crazy all of a sudden. Dominic hit Ray with a 619. Crowd was obviously not happy with this. Dominic then hit the frog splash. Ray kicked out. Dominic exposed the top turnbuckle. But as the referee put it back on, Dominic then grabbed the steel chain that Damian Priest conveniently hid in his jacket. Jacket was laying in the corner. So he picks up Priest's jacket. There's a metal chain in the jacket. Bad Bunny gets up from the commentary. He sees Dominic wrapping the chain around his fist. He grabs the chain away from Dominic. Ray hits a 619. Big splash. One, two, three. And that was it. Bad Bunny with the assist. Bad Bunny is going to be host of Backlash in Puerto Rico in May. It's the next WWE Premium Live event. Bad Bunny is going to be involved in some way, shape, or form. We knew this. Going into WWE Backlash. Now, is he going to be an active in-ring performer? Is he going to be a referee? Is he just going to be a host? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. The way it certainly made it seem is Ray and Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio in a tag team match at Backlash. I could see that. I could absolutely see that. Now, I was thinking maybe we get Legato and Rey Mysterio versus Judgment Day in a big Fatal 4-Way, or not Fatal 4 a big uh, eight-man tag. But then Bad Bunny would have to be uh, delegated to either a hosting duty or a referee duty. I don't know. I could see that as well. Either one of the two things. I could see Bad Bunny actually performing which, you know, he himself is not as good as Logan Paul, but he's going to get in there and work his ass off. It's not going to embarrass anybody out there. And what he's done already for WWE has been very, very good. So I don't mind him in the ring at all. You know, and then obviously with the sentimental value of him being at a WWE Premium Live event in Puerto Rico for the first time in 19 years, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotion there. So, I mean, this is going to be a tremendous night regardless. I could see Bad Bunny teaming with Ray against Dominic and Damian Priest. But then I could also see Legato, Ray, Santos, Joaquin Wilde, and Cruz del Toro versus Judgment Day. But we only have three men in Judgment Day, and then we only have, you know, four on the other team. So it's kind of mismatched. Maybe we just get, you know, Ray and then two of Legato against Judgment Day. That, that, that's not really where I think they're going to go with this. Because you got you can't leave Santos off the fucking card in Puerto Rico. I mean, that would be ridiculous. But I think it's going to end up being Ray and Bad Bunny versus Priest and Dominic. And the biggest takeaway here is that the feud between father and son is not over yet. The feud between father and son is not over yet. I did not suspect it to end either. They kept it going. 
today when we were live, we were live with BC Amplified, we were live with Ango, and we were live with Jesse. And we talked about this, and I know I mentioned this, I mentioned this for several weeks now, you know, the, the, the next big feud for WWE is going to be the Judgment Day versus Legato, or Judgment Day versus the Latino World Order now, right? That's going to be the next big faction feud in WWE. So I didn't really think Dominic and Rey Mysterio was going to come to an end at all. The thing is, we talked about this. This is what's going to carry WWE into the next war games. Because I could absolutely see this being something that Triple H already has in mind for himself going into Survivor Series. If war games is going to be a staple for WWE at the end of the year at Survivor Series and become a yearly tradition... At that point, Judgment Day is going to be one man stronger. Balor and Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest have already teased somebody joining Judgment Day. Who that is, I don't know. Is it somebody currently on the main roster right now, or is it somebody that they're going to enlist from NXT? Judgment Day is going to have to add another member to their ranks. How about this? And we discussed this today on the podcast. It's on the channel. Go check it out. Judgment Day versus Latino World Order. Judgment Day versus Legado del Fantasma and Rey Mysterio in War Games. Finn Balor, Damien Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and J.D. McDonough from NXT. Now, why J.D. McDonough? J.D. McDonough has the mental character, the physical character that he plays on NXT that fits right in line with what Judgment Day is. He's a fucking psychopath. He's out for blood. He's exactly like Judgment Day. Also, the ties between J.D. McDonough and Finn Balor are there. Balor trained J.D. McDonough, and he would be a perfect fit for the Judgment Day. So if they're looking to add somebody in Judgment Day, that's your guy. That's the next guy to get over because of how hot Judgment Day is. Then you got Ray, then you got Santos, then you got Legato, you know, Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro. There's your War Games match. There is your War Games match. Easy. And we discussed this today on the WrestleMania Roundtable. Because outside of the bloodline, WWE is going to need another big feud to carry the load in WWE through the spring and summer months. And that's where it's going to come. It's going to come from Judgment Day. It's going to come from the LWO. And I love it. I think it's fucking great. This was awesome. One of my favorite things about tonight was this match. Crowd was into it. It was... Everything that you would want it to be between father and son. Excellent stuff. WWE showed George Kittle of the San Francisco 49ers at ringside. He was sitting there. I didn't think he was going to get involved in the show, but there he is getting involved in the show later on. Michael Cole. Before we get into the next match. He said it was the first time in WrestleMania history that the competitors, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, referee Jessica Carr, and ring announcer Samantha Irvin, all of the ladies in this next segment, all competitors, all referees, all ring announcers, everybody involved here, all women in the next segment, the first time in WWE history you know, that competitors, referee, and ring announcer were all women in the next match. Unbelievable. That's a huge, that's a huge deal for WWE. It's a huge statistic for WWE. 
Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair is the next match. This one is for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Man, oh man, do I have a lot to say about this one, man. Holy shit. Charlotte Flair. You guys know I have a disdain for Charlotte Flair. I I do not like Charlotte. I'm not a fan of Charlotte. I'm not a fan of what she is. She is a great wrestler. Not going to bullshit you. She's a great wrestler. TV Charlotte is fucking terrible. Television Charlotte on a week-to-week basis is fucking nauseating television. The way she speaks, the way she acts, the lack of care that goes into her matches. Nothing that she does on television is fucking important at all. It is fucking awful. Charlotte, when she's on pay-per-view, is just another beast. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But more times than not, when Charlotte's on pay-per-view, she usually hits a home run. Charlotte was on a campaign to make her and Rhea Ripley the main event of WrestleMania. Now, why did it, why did it need to be the WrestleMania main event? It didn't. It did The sad thing is Rhea Ripley had to get swept into this thing, and she didn't deserve any of this backlash at all because Rhea Ripley's fucking great. She's awesome. Charlotte Flair campaigned for this match to be the WrestleMania main event, and Ryan Satin, who is the absolute biggest dipshit, fuckface, shill, soy boy, fucking extra fucking soy. This is the type of guy that goes to Starbucks and orders coconut milk in his fucking latte, man. A complete... An utter fucking pussy-ass pansy is Ryan Satin. Doesn't ask the hard questions. Brags that he works for WWE when realistically he works for Fox. He's got a terrible-looking fucking haircut. He's a complete fucking cuck. His wife does OnlyFans, and he is the cucks among cucks. He's the sneako of the wrestling community. This guy sucks, Okay. Yes, he's the type of guy that goes to Starbucks and orders a fucking coconut milk. Hi, can I can I can I order a a a a skinny a a one shot vanilla coconut latte? Can 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 you steam that to one hundred and seventy three degrees, please? I used to work at Starbucks. You know what I used to do when I look at these people telling me what the fuck they want? What? Are you even a human being at that point? Order your fucking muffin, order your coffee, and get the fuck out of my face, really, okay? Who drinks their coffee that way? Are you even a man at that point? No. No. Give me a break. Charlotte Flair was interviewed by this fucking almond soy drinking fucking loser. God, I fucking hate this guy. And she was crying... Not legitimately, but complaining that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos is the more deserving main event for the fan base, right? So Flair questioned why it is assumed 
that the men's Royal Rumble winner will headline WrestleMania 39, but this isn't the case for the women's Royal Rumble. What? Charlotte, honey, I don't know if you'll ever get wind of this, but what are you talking about? What are you talking about? She questioned why the men's Royal Rumble winner will headline, but this isn't the case for the women's Royal Rumble. I'm, I'm sorry, what? I mean, ask yourself a question. Out of the two matches, do you honestly believe that your story with Rhea Ripley should be in the main event of WrestleMania over Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and the Usos? It's a very easy answer. The answer is no. Rhea would probably give you the answer no. There's no way you could give me anything but the answer no. Give me a break. So she says this with fuckface. And I quote, how do I word this politically correct? I understand that the best story should close the show. I understand that. But does the men's title and whoever wins the men's Royal Rumble, are they always guaranteed main event spots? Are they always? 99.9%. The women last year, last minute, didn't happen. This year, toss up because of story. You could argue... Whoever closes, say it is the tag team match. I'm a huge fan. I've known Sammy and KO since I started. I could not be bigger fans, but fighting for Rhea and Charlotte, I just go, that story has been a year in the making. This story has been three years. Three years in the making. And you did nothing to enhance that story on television. Nothing. I could blame WWE for their lack of care. But she says that it's three years in the making, yet we've seen no indication of that whatsoever on television in the six weeks that we had a build coming out of the Elimination Chamber. Not one fucking week where you enhance that story. I get it. I get top story. I look at it from a fact standpoint instead of who deserves because no one deserves anything. I do not deserve the main event. Yes, you don't. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you look at it from a factual standpoint, whoever wins the men's Royal Rumble, they are always 99.99999% the main event. If we have two nights, how does that work? If we don't close, am I going to be disappointed? Sure. But is it going to take away from the match and the moment and how we feel? No. And it didn't. And it didn't. Because you know, you want to know why? They went out there and acted as if they were the main event and they gave you a main event level match. It was the co-main event. I just go, how do we as women know why is theirs guaranteed but ours isn't? That's my question. Say Sammy, Kevin, and Uso's clothes. So proud, especially Sammy. Seeing this run and turning it into what it has been. I'm just talking from a standpoint from the women If they're guaranteed, why is the Women's Royal Rumble not? That's the fact. It's a question due to facts. Either way, whoever is on the card, it's WrestleMania. Good weekend, good vibes. Rhea and I will steal the show. End quote. Ryan Satin did nothing to combat this question. Ryan Satin sat there like a fucking cuck that he is. Ryan Satin sucks. He is absolutely fucking terrible at his job and did nothing to combat that question at all for Charlotte Flair. So, again, 
I have to pull up this fucking article and school everybody in why Charlotte is nothing more than a fucking crybaby and why I can't stand Charlotte Flair when she wants to go on platforms like that and fucking cry about what she doesn't get. In this case, the WrestleMania main event. Her own father, Ric Flair, won the Royal Rumble in 1992. Did Ric Flair main event WrestleMania 8? The answer is no. Ric Flair won the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. There hasn't been one Royal Rumble that has come even close to beating the 1992 Royal Rumble in match quality. Ric Flair won the greatest Royal Rumble of all time in a Royal Rumble where the WWF title was vacated and he won the championship by lasting one hour and two minutes in the Royal Rumble. Did he main event WrestleMania? The answer is no. Do you know what do you know what main evented WrestleMania eight? Sid Justice and Hulk Hogan. Okay. Did Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles main event WrestleMania? No, they did not. Do you know who main evented WrestleMania that year? Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar main evented WrestleMania. Shinsuke won the Royal Rumble in January of that year. Did he go out there to Ryan Satin and fucking cry that he didn't main event WrestleMania? Lex Luger won the Royal Rumble in 1994. Did Lex Luger main event WrestleMania? No, WWE pulled a fast one and had Bret Hart win the Royal Rumble along with Lex Luger in a double elimination. Luger got middle of the card for winning Royal Rumble. Bret went on to wrestle Owen in the open and beat Yoko Zuna in the main event of WrestleMania 10 at Madison Square Garden. Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio won one of the greatest Royal Rumble matches for him, moments, in WWE history. The 2006 Royal Rumble, he won. One of the greatest Rumble moments of all time. Did Rey Mysterio main event that year's WrestleMania? No. No, he did not. Alberto Del Rio won the Royal Rumble in 2011. A 40-man Royal Rumble. Did Alberto Del Rio main event WrestleMania? No, he actually opened the fucking show against Edge for the World Championship. Sheamus won the Royal Rumble. He won the 2012 Royal Rumble. He did not main event WrestleMania. And he wrestled Daniel Bryan in the opening match for the World Heavyweight Championship. And I'm sure there are tons more. So please, cry me a fucking river that you didn't main event WrestleMania and... Sammy and KO with the Usos did. Why does everything need to be about men versus women? Why do we need the narrative? Oh, oh, the men get it, but the women don't. And it's unfair that we're being treated unfairly. Meanwhile, the men have gotten the same injustices that the women have had. But fuck face emo soy drinking bitch. Ryan Satin did nothing to combat Charlotte Flair's Woe is me, unfair is me, Charlotte Flair narrative. I'm sorry. Where's the true journalism in the community? I'll give you a fucking hint. There is none. Because everybody walks on eggshells and everybody wants to be a fucking vagina when it comes to talking to these pro wrestlers. I would have deaded that conversation in a fucking instance. Absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. Rollins, Orton, Edge in 2010. 
Satin brought up zero points. Satin brought up zero points to Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Charlotte! Thank you! Thank you for my interview! <laughs> it's not as bad as... Cody! Cody! Can I ask you a question, Cody? You fucking break, man. My God. Now that I got that out of my system, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley had one of the best women's championship matches of the modern era tonight. They did. Not taking anything away from the woman. The woman knows how to work. When the woman wants to show up for work, the woman will show up to work. Rhea Ripley killed it. Charlotte killed it. The match went 24 minutes. It was fucking great. Great. I can't stand looking at Charlotte cry towards the end of the fucking minute. She's, every time she does something, a pinfall, kick out, or whatever the fucking case may be, you know, she's there crying. She's like fucking in a daze, like she's in fucking fantasy land. It's disgusting to look at. Charlotte's title run has been awful. I don't even know why she was the champion. She was the champion for this specific moment, I guess. But WWE gave her the championship, and she did nothing to earn it. She did nothing to earn it. Yeah, she wants to cry about not being in the main event of WrestleMania. Bitch, you did nothing. You did nothing to even earn a WrestleMania main event. You came back after seven months. You cashed in some imaginary fucking contract. You didn't wrestle shit for the majority of the year. You come back on your first night in, and you win the championship in about 12 seconds. Yeah, you want to cry about not being in the main event of WrestleMania. Her title run was terrible. She didn't defend it on any premium live events. She only defended it against Sonya Deville on SmackDown, and she did nothing with it. Stories were terrible. The title reign was terrible. There's not one memorable title reign from Charlotte ever. I mean, I don't remember anything this woman did outside of her beginning feuds with Sasha back when they both first got called up and they were leading Monday Night Raw's women's division. Rhea Ripley deserves the chance to lead a division. We all knew this going in. And tonight she proved that she is the leader that WWE can now rely on. She wrestled great. She looked like a fucking stud out there. She looked like a superstar out there. She works great with Charlotte. Fans are into her. She's believable. Everything about Rhea Ripley's great. She's made such a transformation from Judgment Day. It is a beautiful thing to see. And they, they both went out there and, and swung for the fences, and they killed it. And they did wrestle. You know, at first when you saw Charlotte tonight, she came out and she had, oh, what was me face on? She had the look of, fuck, I'm not main eventing. Fuck this shit. She had that look all over her face. And she didn't hide anything. But Rhea Ripley showed up, and she had, hey, I'm winning the championship tonight face tonight. So you, you knew what was going to happen. But the match itself... They obviously, w- without going into, you know, too much detail, they, they, they wrestled as if they were the main event tonight. They, they, they totally went out there and, and were given a blank canvas to go out there and say, all right, we're not giving you the main event. I know you guys want to be the main event. I know it should be the main event because of the Royal Rumble. But we're giving you 24 minutes. Go out there and fucking do whatever you need to do. And that's what they did. And what they did was the best, possibly, the best women's match so far this year. It may come down to the best women's match of the entire year. 
Rhea Ripley to Charlotte. Now, Asuka and Bianca are going to have something to say about that. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to top what Charlotte and Rhea did tonight. But they'll come close. They'll come close. Charlotte had the early advantage here, and she was taking advantage over Rhea. Charlotte tried fighting back after Rhea and a little burst of offense here. Rhea hit a German suplex. Uh, Charlotte came back with a backbreaker, some clotheslines, some chops. Charlotte went for a flying crossbody. Ripley rolled through and tried for a riptide early on, but Charlotte spiked her with a beautiful-looking DDT, man. Rhea Ripley sells the shit out of those DDTs. My goodness, man. Charlotte tried for a figure four, but Ripley counted into a cradle. Both men then double-knock each other down with big boots. Ripley got up and started striking Charlotte. Charlotte cut her off with a fallaway slam. Charlotte then went up for a moonsault, but Ripley ran up and brought her down with a huge, super-release German suplex. Unbelievable spot there. Charlotte came back with a natural selection. She goes for a cover, gets a two-count. Charlotte tried to spear uh, on the outside of the ring. Ripley moved, and Charlotte went shoulder-first into the ring steps. Ripley set up for a riptide, but Charlotte hit a German suplex of her own. Ripley hit back elbows, a release German suplex, and this is where Charlotte, I, I don't know what had happened here, but they went to the German suplex well a little bit too often. There was a German suplex, this spot. Ripley hit some elbows, and then she waist locks Charlotte and then does a release German suplex. If this was another inch in the opposite direction, Charlotte would have had her career ended tonight. She landed legitimately on her fucking forehead and her neck caved in backwards from what the replay showed. They showed the replay three different fucking times and it looked worse every time we seen it. So they really put a highlight on it and it did not make the situation any better. Charlotte is very lucky that she landed knees first in this position. She's so fucking tall and so lanky that she landed knees first. If she didn't have the height that she does, she would have been finished. That's what I gathered from this. This was awful. Just an awful looking spot that they replayed three or four different times. Charlotte gets back up. I'm surprised she had the wherewithal to even know where the fuck she was after this thing. Big boot on Rhea for a two. Ripley spilled to the outside. Charlotte hit a moonsault to the outside. Normally, she has the worst moonsault ever, and she still does, but she actually connected on most of this one, which I was actually surprised by. Ripley avoided a spear in the ring and hit a riptide for a close near fall. Referee was in the way, and she could have been knocked out. Jessica Carr, she avoided getting speared, so she stopped at Charlotte. Charlotte tried for a small package on Rhea, gets a two-count. Rhea applied the prism trap, this inverted standing cloverleaf that she has for a finishing move or one of her signature moves. Charlotte slipped out of it, drove Ripley into the turnbuckle, and they avoided colliding with the referee again. So Charlotte takes advantage of this and hits the spear off a distraction because Ripley was saying sorry to the referee for almost hitting her, and Charlotte hits a spear as Rhea Ripley turns around. They traded forearms, but Charlotte booted Rhea Ripley and applied a figure four, but Rhea got to the ropes very quickly, but Charlotte was working the referee's count in the figure four. Charlotte tried for a fallaway slam off the middle rope, but Ripley blocked it, drove her face first into the post. 
Ripley then off the top rope hits a super riptide for the one, two, three, and the crowd popped big as Rhea Ripley wins the SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair was sitting on the outside of the ring. She was laughing and smiling and clapping, and she finally did a good deed. Wow! She finally did a good deed, bro. Holy shit. Charlotte! She's very happy with herself, man. See, it's good to do good things for others, right? Rhea Ripley's the SmackDown Women's Champion. And I've been saying this for a few weeks now. Rhea Ripley and Judgment Day are the second best faction in WWE. Obviously, underneath the bloodline. Rhea Ripley's the SmackDown Women's Champion right now, so I would assume that Rhea Ripley and Judgment Day are going to be moving over to SmackDown permanently. Plus, they're feuding with Rey Mysterio, who's on SmackDown, and Legato, who's on SmackDown, so it only kind of makes sense, depending on if there's a draft or not, or if we're just not going to abide by draft rules, we'll just move Judgment Day over to SmackDown, okay? I don't know when there's a draft, I don't know when there will be a draft. I do think that we need a draft desperately, and I hope that that day comes soon because I do think we need a major shakeup in WWE. When that happens, I don't know. Maybe it'll surprise us on the Raw after Mania and we'll get some announcements in the new season of WWE, but I do think that Judgment Day will be operating mostly on SmackDown. I do think tomorrow the best course of action here for the Monday Night Raw women's division is Asuka winning the title over Bianca Belair. I think Bianca Belair has done enough on Monday Night Raw. I don't think there's anything much for her to do on Monday Night Raw. She's feuded with Bailey. She's feuded with Becky. She's feuded with everybody. There's nothing more for Bianca Belair to do. I think you give the title to Asuka. I think you break EO away from damage control. I think you bring up some nice call-ups from NXT, and you start building the Monday Night Raw women's division around Asuka and having her go through EO and wrestle EO and wrestle you know, a, a Roxanne Perez or, or whoever else you want to call up, Tiffany Stratton, whatever. I do think that's the right move because I do think at the end of the day, with Bianca doing everything that she can do on Monday Night Raw and, and they've exhausted that on Monday night, I do think that moving Bianca Belair over to SmackDown is also the right move. So you would be looking at a SmackDown women's division of now Rhea Ripley as the SmackDown women's champion, Charlotte over there, you get possibly a rematch out of that. You move Bianca Belair over there. You got the option of Bianca and Charlotte in a feud. You can do the Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair feud that we were supposed to get last year going into Money in the Bank, but we didn't because Rhea Ripley got hurt. I, I do think that's the way that they're going to go about things. I do. Oscar wins. Bianca moves over to SmackDown. Rhea is the SmackDown Women's Champion. She's moving over there with Judgment Day. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. How they're going to do it, I don't know. Is there a draft? I don't know. Are they going to abide by, you know, whatever the fuck it is, free for all, whatever. Who knows? But I think that's the right way to go about things for the Monday Night Raw Women's Division. I do. Excellent match. This will uh, go down as one of the best matches of the weekend. They killed it. I still am not a fan of Charlotte Flair, but uh, when a good match happens and it includes Charlotte Flair, I will always be honest with you guys and I always tell you. I just don't like the... The character that Charlotte Flair portrays in these interviews and, you know, politically that we see. The only reason why she wanted the main event was because she would have been the, the only woman 
to main event WrestleMania twice. Bianca Belair could have had that. Becky could have had that. She, she wanted that in the record books. I'm the only woman to main event WrestleMania twice. So what? Story is better. The, the story with the bloodline is bigger than your story. It's not the end of the world. You need a fucking uh, excuse to why you did main event WrestleMania. Well, oh, boo-hoo-hoo, cry me, woe is me. The men got it, but the women didn't. Your father won the Royal Rumble 1992, and he didn't main event WrestleMania. Go talk to him about it. I'm sure he understands. We got backstage interview. Rare. This is a rare thing, man. With Byron Saxton interviewing Austin Theory. Theory said he made John Cena believe. And he asked us, do you believe in Austin Theory now? Well, I don't know, bro. A lot of people saw you cheat to win. They believe you're a cheater. Do they believe in Austin Theory? I don't know. I don't know. Miz and Snoop Dogg were out there again. They announced the attendance of 80,497. But we all know that WWE loves to inflate their numbers. And this is at least, at least... Plus 9,000 from where the actual attendance usually is. So roughly about 71, 72,000 is where they are. They love to enhance the overall attendance for entertainment purposes is their excuse. Sure thing. Snoop Dogg is in the ring. He said the only thing better than those numbers that The Miz just said in regards to the attendance would be if The Miz had a match tonight. Miz agreed and mentioned that he put out an open challenge all over social media, which he did not. He wasn't surprised that no one answered because everyone is afraid of him. So Pat McAfee entered. Michael Cole freaked out because he loves Pat McAfee. McAfee shook hands with Snoop. He said he lives on social media and he didn't see the Miz issue an open challenge at all today. He wore his WrestleMania tank top and he's ready to wrestle. So he challenged the Miz to a match. Miz says he would love to, but he has the hosting duties of WrestleMania, and I don't have the power to make matches. McAfee then started a tiny balls chant in Los Angeles, and Snoop then says, you know what? I have the power to make matches, and I'm making this match official. He said Vince McMahon's stink all over it. Tiny balls, Snoop Dogg out there making matches, announcing an attendance that clearly is 9,000-plus what the actual attendance is. This is Vince McMahon down to a T, man. Pat McAfee wrestles The Miz in something that obviously did not need to happen. The only reason why this happened was because they wanted to come down from how the match with Charlotte and Rhea Ripley was. They wanted a breather in between. They didn't want to go right from Rhea and Charlotte the way that it was, right into KO, Sammy, and the Usos. So they gave you this fucking, go get a beer, go get a crack at Jack's, Go to the bathroom and rest for about 15 to whatever, 10 to 15 minutes, and then we'll get into the tag team match. That's all this was. This was a buffer. This was a buffer between Rhea, Charlotte, and the main event. That's all it was. Pat McAfee wins in three minutes, and that's basically it. I mean, there was really nothing to this match outside of San Francisco 49er George Kittle who was out there and jumped the barricade and clotheslined the Miz, which should have been a fucking DQ. I don't know where the goddamn referee was. McAfee hit Miz with a dive off the top, followed with a big punt kick for the one, two, three. And the Miz is the WWE resident glorified jobber to the stars in 2023. A waste of everybody's time. 
the main event, the real main event of WrestleMania 39. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos for the undisputed tag team championships. Little Uzi Vert. Or what, what is it? Little or little or little, little Uzi Vert performed a song ahead of the Usos' entrance. It was auto-tuned to shit. And it sounded like garbage. You'd think WWE would have learned their lesson from Hardy at the Royal Rumble. Remember Hardy at the Rumble? I'm not talking about Jeff Hardy. I'm not talking about Matt Hardy. Talking about the country fusion rock singer who's fucking awful, Hardy. Remember him? You think WWE would have learned with their musical performances at WrestleMania? This year we got Lil Uzi Vert. If you guys little, if you guys listen to Lil Uzi Vert, God bless you guys, man. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, they actually get the championship treatment, and they come out last. The Usos actually were introduced first. Quite the scenario there. So, you got your entrances. It was a big fight feel. Crowd was standing on their feet. Everybody was excited. Zane and Jimmy were going to start, but Jay tagged in to start. Now, I will admit, the match actually got started off slow. The crowd was kind of quiet. I don't know why that was. I was a little, I was a little concerned Going into the beginning stages of this match, I'm like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, did Charlotte and Rhea Ripley just upstage the men here? Is everybody burnt out from how great Charlotte and Rhea Ripley was? Uh-oh. So the crowd was pretty silent for uh, a good, I would say, five or so minutes to start this thing. Then they obviously pick things up. So Jay is in there. And he obviously is getting helped out by his brother. Got the advantage over Sami Zayn. Owens is uh, complaining to the ref. And nothing can be done about that. They're double-teaming Sami in the corner. Zayn fought off both Usos. And we get a five-minute, after five minutes, a hot tag to Kevin Owens. He wiped out both Usos with a senton to the outside. Owens gave Jimmy a frog splash off the apron. Frog splashed the J in the ring for two. Fans are starting to slowly get into it. Jay blocked the stunner. And hit a lifting neck breaker for two. Owens tried for a senton bomb, but Jay got his knees up. And Jimmy, who made a blind tag at this point, followed with a big splash for two. Now, Owens dodged a uh, running hip attack by Jimmy Uso. Hit two super kicks and a cannonball. Jay, uh, Jay Uso tried to attack Owens, so Zane gave him a brain buster on the apron, which looked great. Owens hit Jimmy with a senton for a near fall. Zayn raised his finger in the air and gave Jimmy Uso an Uso splash for a near fall. So uh, we got uh, both teams kind of using their own finishing moves against them. Crowd started to really get into it now, man. We got 80,000 or so, (laughs) 72,000, singing ole, 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 ole. Michael Cole actually mentioned El Generico in this sense, and he said El Generico would be proud. That's when you know Michael Cole is not having Vince McMahon in his headset, man, because Vince McMahon would never, never in a thousand lifetimes let Michael Cole mention El Generico and PWG on WrestleMania. 
Triple H would, because Triple H loves the backstory of his boys. Zayn hit Jimmy with a blue thunder bomb. Loved the blue thunder bomb. Jay made a blind tag, hit uh, a jumping super kick, which looked devastating for a two count. Jimmy hit Zayn with a super kick. Jay hit a super kick. They both hit super kick. Super kick party. Owens broke up the cover after super kick party. Jimmy sent Owens out of the ring with another super kick. Usos hit Zayn with a double super kick. Super kick, super kick, super kick. It's not overdone. Think again. Double super kick. Zayn just barely kicked out by rolling his shoulder up. Jimmy tagged in. They hit double super kicks again for two. Jake tagged in and they went for 1D, but Owens tripped Jimmy up. Jake cradled J- uh, Zayn cradled Jay for two. Owens wanted a power bomb. Jimmy on the announce table, but Jay saved him. Jimmy and Jay uh, double teamed Owens and a double team chokeslam through the announce table. Zayn was down in the ring. This was theoretically now where Owens was going to take a big time nap on the outside. It was Zayn all by himself and Zayn's match to lose. This was Zayn's match to lose right here. Usos gave Zayn a 1D. He kicked out. He kicked out emphatically like Hulk Hogan. He was fucking hulking up. Sami Zayn was fucking hulking up in the middle of the ring. He kicked out. Michael Cole was freaking out because nobody had kicked out of the 1D before. Crowd was on their feet. This is really when the energy started to get where it needed to be. Jay hammered away at Zayn. Not fighting back. Zayn is out. He is lifeless. Jay hit Sammy with a halluva kick, or at least his version of a halluva kick. Jay then started yelling at Sammy, grabbing his beard, yelling at him, slapping him in the face. Zayn, out of nowhere, explodes on Jay with an exploder suplex in the corner, turns him upside down. Owens then emerges from the table rubble on the outside. On the apron, Zayn made a tag. Owens gave a pop-up powerbomb. To both Jimmy and Jay, Zayn gave Jimmy a halluva kick while Owens gave Jay a stunner for a near fall. Crowd is on their feet. They know what's coming next. They're anticipating it. All four men get to their feet and Kevin Owens yells, let's finish this. And the both, uh, both teams, all four guys, they start going away at each other, man. Blow for blow, punches all over the place between all four Owens handed out super kicks, but Owens ate super kicks as well, and the Uso super kicked Zane off the apron. So they were really teasing, man, teetering back and forth. Who's going to win this thing? Is it going to be Sammy and KO? Is it going to be the Usos? Back and forth. Usos gave Owens a double splash. Owens kicked out. Was not the best-looking Uso splash. Uso super kicked Owens against the turnbuckle. They set up for the big spot, but Zane yanked Jimmy out of the ring, tossed him over the announce table. Owens dropped Jay with an avalanche fisherman suplex off the top rope. Owens tagged Zayn. Zayn and Jay were the legal men. Zayn hit Jay with a halluva kick. A second halluva kick. Owens dropped Jimmy with a stunner in the ring. Zayn gave Jay a third halluva kick. And Zayn pins Jay Uso. And Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens win the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships and end the Usos' historic reign. What was it? 644 or 614 days or something like that. I don't remember the days, but their tag team title reign has come to an end. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens posed with the titles. Fireworks went off. And I believe outside of Charlotte Flair, who got fireworks, I think that might have been the first fucking time fireworks went off 
uh, on the whole show since Charlotte Flair. Only two uh, two performers got fireworks tonight. Um, crowd was singing along to Sami Zayn's theme. Sami and KO posed with the titles. And the look on KO's face when the when the three count was made, man, it was just it was just emotion. It was just emotion from Sam from uh, Kevin Owens when Sammy made that pinfall, man. Crowd sang along. Crowd was into it. They loved it. They got the outcome. It was the right outcome. Sammy Zan and Kevin Owens finish their story, and it was tremendous. Just a tremendous tag team match. Six hundred and sixty-nine days. Thank you. In the chat, uh, 622 or 669? One or the other. It's a lot of days. It's a lot of days. 662 days, says Chelsea. Um, this was the most important tag team match in WWE history. This was the most important tag team match in WrestleMania history. This might have been, if you told me this was the biggest tag team match in WWE history in, in general, period, I, I would not even argue with you. This was the culmination of a year. Every WrestleMania from this point on needs this type of storytelling to close the show. Whether it's night one, night two, or or both night one and night two. This is what we ask for when it comes to WrestleMania. The closing of a chapter and then restarting a new book on the Raw after Mania. That's exactly what WrestleMania should be. Are we going to get that chapter being written for Cody Rhodes tomorrow, closing the first novel of the bloodline. Are we going to end it with Cody winning the world championship tomorrow? That remains to be seen. This was the biggest tag team match in WWE history. The emotion of Jay and Jimmy Uso for one year with Sami Zayn being a part of their family. Sami Zayn going into business for himself and realizing that his self-worth was more valuable than anything. And he did not want to be bullied by Roman Reigns anymore to hopefully landing back with Kevin Owens and teaming up with Kevin Owens, who was his best friend, for Kevin Owens to basically say no, 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 because Sammy was basically beating around the bush. All Sammy wanted to do was beat the bloodline. All Sammy wanted to do was end the bloodline. I don't care if we're friends or not, says Sammy Zayn. Kevin Owens didn't want that. All Kevin Owens wanted from Sammy Zayn was, tell me you're my best friend. Tell me I am your best friend. We will do this together on, on, on you know, and, and until you tell me exactly what I need to hear, I, I need to hear you tell me that. I need to tell you, you know, what I need to tell you, but I'm not going to give you the answer that you want until you give me the answer of, hey, uh, th- you're my best friend. I love you. That's all he wanted. That's all Kevin Owens wanted. And I love you. He got it. And we got this match. The emotion of two best friends from their story in PWG, where they started, to working the indies, getting into WWE, working NXT, working the main roster, getting this moment. The emotion of everything that they put into everything that they have done leading into this moment. It was one of the best endings to a WrestleMania that I've seen in a very, very, very long time. Tonight felt different, man. Tonight was a a much different vibe for WrestleMania, and I would be the first to tell you if it was the same old shit. All hype, no, no substance. All fluff, no substance. Tonight's WrestleMania felt different. Tonight's WrestleMania felt like Triple H was certainly in charge of things. A lot of what we saw tonight felt like, and I, I, I don't like using this terminology and, and this description, but every time Triple H does something like this, and we've seen him do this with premium live events in the past, 
uh, since he's taken over creative, but it, it truly felt like WrestleMania was one huge fucking takeover in front of 80,000 people. That's what it felt like tonight. The in-ring product tonight felt like a takeover NXT Black and Gold show. And if we can get that for night two tomorrow, now, night one was clearly better than night two. On paper, it looked better going in. After what we got tonight, it's going to be very difficult for night two to overcome night one. But we got Sheamus, McIntyre, and Gunther. We got Balor and Edge inside Hell in a Cell. We got Roman and Cody tomorrow. We got Asuka and Bianca. It's got a chance. Open challenge by Bobby Lashley, potentially. It's got a chance. If night two can come anywhere close, it doesn't have to be exactly the same thing. It doesn't got to be on par. But if they can come within striking distance of night one, we could be looking at the best WrestleMania of all time. This, this I, I truly mean. I've been hard on WrestleMania. I've been very critical of WrestleMania in the past. I hated the eight-hour WrestleManias, the two-show uh, two WrestleManias, the, the, the four-hour WrestleManias. I thought tonight's show was a little too long for a, for a seven-match show. But the two nights is so much easier to digest. The quality is better. The overall presentation is better. The opportunities for everybody is better. WWE has changed WrestleMania for the better. And I honestly do think that tonight was a statement show. Tonight was, and I'm always going to believe Vince is in charge. I am always going to believe that. Until the man is in the grave, I am going to believe he is a part of something. You know when Triple H does something and you know when Vince McMahon does something because what Triple H does, Vince McMahon does not. And vice versa. Simple. Triple H does not book like Vince McMahon. He only books like Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon is still there in some instances. I am always going to believe that Vince McMahon is a part of something. You can't fault me for that. But what tonight felt like was Triple H was certainly making a statement with this show. Tonight felt like after this WrestleMania is over, we are headed into a brand new WWE. That's what it felt like. Do we get that? I don't know. I mean, WWE time and time and time again have let us down. You know, Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania is going to feel fucking great. We got the energy of WrestleMania. We're still high on WrestleMania. We got the surprises and the debuts, and we expect new, fresh, exciting, new, 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 new on Raw after Mania, right? What happens the week after Raw after Mania? We go back to the same shit. Go back to the, the boring, you know, lame, formulaic Monday Night Raw. But I honestly felt like tonight was a statement, statement, statement show. Like, don't fuck with me. Nobody is better than us type of deal. If night two comes close to night one, man, we're looking at probably the greatest WrestleMania of all time. Guys, I am going to get into the Super Chats, man. I, I appreciate you hanging out with me tonight, man. It was a very, very long day. A very long day. I am so fucking tired. So tired, man. Whatever energy I had left today, I squeezed out and gave it to you guys. So hopefully you appreciate it. Tomorrow we'll be back. I'm not doing anything during the day. I'm probably going to sleep most of the day away. Visit my grandma and then sleep most of the day away. But uh, I, I won't be back live until uh, the end of night two, man. And we'll talk about night two. 
But please, man, make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. We hit the goal of 2,000, man. Can we hit 2,500 likes? 2,500 likes on tonight's night one WrestleMania post. I would love that, man. I really would love that. I appreciate you guys joining me tonight on Off The Scripts inside my mother's basement. You guys are great. Glad that you enjoyed the design. Uh, the only one that didn't enjoy the, uh, the design was uh, Robbie Fox from Barstool Sports. So uh, he can take that and shove it up his pee hole. But I appreciate you guys and all the support that I've gotten on the uh, artwork. And uh, again, shout out to my boys over at Deviate Design who uh, put this masterpiece together. Fucking awesome. And we got literally the best looking design in the entire IWC, man. Nobody is doing it like us right here on OTS. And there's only one true mother's basement. And you're looking at it right here. Tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys sign up and get your free sample. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling, man. WrestleMania was hot tonight. You guys can take that same amount of heat into the bedroom with you, but you can't do that with Blue Chew. You can do that with Blue Chew. You can't do it without Blue Chew. Blue Chew is going to give you the confidence that you need, man. It's going to take you really, really deep into that long-term booking. Let me tell you. Blue Chew is a unique online service that provides active ingredients. Same thing as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, but it comes at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. Be ready and plan whenever the opportunity arises. The process is very simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of your licensed online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. No questions asked. And the best part, guys, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package, guys. Triple H made a statement tonight with WrestleMania. You take Blue Chew, man, you're going to make a statement to whoever your partner is like that. Trust me. $5 is all you got to do, man. Pay the $5 shipping and handling, and you're going to get your Blue Chew for free when you use code JD at checkout. Sign up at BlueChew.com, and I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the podcast right here. For night one of WrestleMania 39. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Inverted Aim becomes a new member. Inverted, how the fuck are you doing, brother? I haven't seen you in a while, bro. Not since the Twitch days. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Seth vs. Logan Paul was fantastic. Good chemistry. Yes, indeed. Michelle with a $2 Super Chat as well. Uh, another one. Ravers Dom was great, but predictable. Bad Bunny spot. I enjoyed the Bad Bunny spot. I, I thought it made sense. Uh, Michelle with a $5 Super Chat. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, main event was a huge banger. KO and Sammy winning made my night. The match had me thinking the Usos might retain. Plot thickens with Jay taking the pin. Yes. All going to revolve around Jay Uso. Sammy's already planted those seeds on SmackDown. Uh, Callus X1 with a new membership. Thank you, Callus. 
Mick Swagger with a new membership. Mick and Callus, what the fuck are you guys drinking? West Coast Samoan with a five dollar super chat. Charlotte Flair aged like bad Madonna. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't look good tonight, man. She she did not look good tonight. I don't know if it was the makeup. Too much makeup, maybe. But Rhea looked great. Rhea looked fantastic tonight. Uh, Tom Croco, Alex Russell, and Keith Clark become new members in the OTS venue. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. What the fuck are you guys drinking? Jedi Joker with 22 months. Thank you, brother. Thumbs up show tonight. Eight out of ten for me. Hell of a main event. Hopefully night two delivers. It should deliver. I think night one was the better night, but I think night two ultimately is going to end up delivering as well. Raymond Moore. Thank you, brother. $10 super chat. What a great night. Me and my family watch history tonight. Always love watching history. Have a good night. OTS for life, brother. Thank you so much, Raymond. Uh, Swagios 9 becomes a new member. Swagios, what the fuck are you drinking, bro? Basic with a 499. Charlotte's gimmick is so much like her dad's that she is starting to look like him. Not a good image, bro, before I go to sleep. Not a good image, but thank you, Basic. Uh, Joseph Taylor with a $5 super chat. Uh, two things. WrestleMania night one, 8 out of 10. I could, I could have done without the Miz versus Pat McAfee. Uh, second, JD, the first ever WrestleMania you watched as a kid. WrestleMania 4, Joseph. Uh, Exotic Gaming with a 499 Super Chat. Do we need JD versus Robbie Fox for night two? Thoughts on Roman versus Cody after the Usos dropping the titles? See, the thing, the thing, the thing with Barstool, you know, I, I did not do anything to anybody today. I was excited about WrestleMania. I had a long work day ahead of me. I had this NXT stream I was setting up. I had the Ango BC Jesse podcast, the roundtable that we did. And before I wanted to do anything today, I debuted the Mother's Basement design on Friday SmackDown. So Deviate tweeted something out early in the morning. I tweeted something out with what I would like to make the official theme of the song, but I can't use it because it's a copyrighted song. I'll get copywritten. And... Robbie Fox all of a sudden quote tweets it and says that, oh, you know, look, look at you stealing a desi- stealing a, 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 a gimmick or, or, or whatnot. He's like, you don't have an original idea. Stop playing it off as if it's some original idea, you know. And, and then he claimed my podcast was new. He's telling other people it's some new podcast, uh, My Mother's Basement. I'm like, uh, excuse me, um... You quote tweeted legitimately the front page of my Twitter profile where it says in my Twitter profile, host of Off the Script. My podcast is not my mother's basement. My podcast name is Off the Script. So I DM'd him. I'm like, bro, was it really necessary to quote tweet me on a, on a, on a morning where I'm doing this for the first time with this design, trying to hype it up? And I'm very proud of my team that did it. I'm very proud to get it out to you guys. Was it necessary to blow up my spot and kind of ruin my my little victory here? You know, that I'm proud of my fucking design. You got a whole, you got a shit on it. He never answered. I I told him, if you realize what the story was behind it and and the fucking insult that it is in the community, you would realize that it's not original. You don't have an original concept with my mother's basement. Apparently he's got a podcast in my mother's basement. 
How many people have been saying my mother's basement before that? I remember Justin Labar mentioning my mother's basement on fucking Share Shot Reality 11 years ago. Keemstar, Killer Keemstar has a fucking podcast called My Mom's Basement. This is not the name of my podcast. My podcast name is Off the Script. Not my mom's basement or my mother's basement. I would never do that. I I told him I didn't want to step on your toes. What the fuck you blowing my spot up for? He never answered me. He avoided me all day. He didn't answer me all day. He's a pussy. He's a pussy. And Barstool sucks. I'd love for them to say something to me. Maybe I get more views than fucking Robbie Fox. I don't know. Maybe Robbie Fox is a fucking shill who nobody really gives a shit about. I had, almost, I had, what, 5,500 people in here tonight? Uh, Exotic Gaming, thank you so much, brother. Uh, Cody Snyder with a $5 Super Chat. Ripley beats the Queen just like in Aliens. One of my favorite movies. Cheers, Chief. OTS VIP, man. I love Aliens. Aliens is definitely better than the original Alien. Tutti Fruity with a $4.99 Super Chat. What's your favorite WrestleMania stage design? This one's up there. I I don't know, man. I'm going to have to take this one. I'm going to go with this one. Swagios with a $1.99. This was one of the best WrestleManias since 30. Absolutely agree. Kent Smith with a $1.99. No message. Thank you, Kent. M. James with an $11 Super Chat. An incredible night. Can't wait for tomorrow. I just wanted to say I appreciate all that you do and would love the chance to meet you in Toronto if you decide to come for the Forbidden Door. I'll let you guys know. Matt Cologne. $10 Super Chat. And the message was deleted by Jesse. I wonder what he said. But he left me a $10 Super Chat, so if he left anything derogatory, Matt, I'll be buying my Starbucks chocolate cream cold brew on you, brother. Thank you so much for being a prick. Omega Kong with a $10 Super Chat. Here we go, JD. In your opinion, which legendary tag team was better? 2021 All Out, Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks, or tonight, Sammy Kao versus The Usos? I'm going to take this one tonight, bro, because of the story. Easy. Easy. Abhi Manu with a 550 Super Chat. It's been a tough year, and your incredibly entertaining and insightful videos have helped me so much. You don't know, JD. Much love and success to you. Thank you, brother. Hope all is well with you, man. Thank you. Cue the content guy with a 499. Showing my guy, JD, some love. Great mania tonight. I was there in person. Can't wait for night two. Enjoy yourself, brother. If you're going to night two, man, enjoy yourself. Zach Ambrose with a one month. Great night, JD. Would you rate the show? Would rate the show nine out of ten. Wish the US title and showcase matches would have went a little bit longer, but still a great show. Can't wait for tomorrow. I've seen a lot of eights. I'm seeing a couple of nines, mostly edited tens, man. That's that's positive news for WWE. Hey, Jackson. 199. Seth won to start a new storyline with Jay White. Possibly. He's got nothing going on now that he's not feuding with uh, Logan Paul. Potentially, man. I'd love that. Oh, my goodness. Swift, 718, new membership. Thank you, Swift. What the fuck are you drinking, Swift? Kyle Owens with an eight months. JD, love your mother's basement. Great night, one of mania, in my honest opinion. Thanks for everything you do, and I wish you continued success. OTS for life. Thank you, Kyle. 
Edward Liu with 19 months. My line of the night, El Generico would be proud of those Ole chants. So glad Cole was able to get away with that. Stay strong for tomorrow, JD. Thank you, Edward. Grimsley with a $2 super chat. Indy winning made my weekend. Ilya is fantastic. Bro, I was shocked that Indy Hartwell won the NXT Women's title. I thought that was either going back to Roxanne or, or Tiffany Stratton was winning that thing. And Ilya is fantastic, man. He should get called up to the main roster imminently. I hope. I don't think, but I hope. Pause with a 4-9 denied. I still believe that Seth should be the one to beat Roman if Cody doesn't. Imagine the storyline Triple H could make with those two. OTS for life. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine. Jaxo 23 with 20 in Super Chat. WrestleMania 40 is in Philly next year, which is going to be awesome. Ravers Dom, Ripley versus Flair. Men's showcase match. KO and Sammy versus Usos. It's good stuff tonight, man. And then KSI said he wants to face Bobby Lashley. It's going to be interesting, man. They're going to go with that uh, open challenge gimmick, I see, huh? Black Wolf Inc. with a 20 in Super Chat. The last three Mania shows, how things can change. 37, Sammy KO fought with no build and no Uso match. 38, Uso's open night one with Zayn and Owens in top feuds. Now they main evented WrestleMania. I'm amazed that the Usos could barely get a WrestleMania match until 34. Now they can say that they opened and closed WrestleMania and they did it while holding the titles in the same reign back to back. Usos are the best tag team in the world right now, bro. There's nobody even close. FTR is a second, but a distant second. James with a 20 months. Thank you, brother. Just got home from working 20 hours and watched the highlights of day one of WrestleMania. Excellent. Sorry I haven't been around. COVID sucks. Heart my OTS family. Get well, brother. You got a lot to catch up on, man. Eddie Martin. With his first time Super Chat in the OTS venue, you imagine a MJF WWE debut at next year's WrestleMania. Eddie Martin, MJF, is not going anywhere for a very long time. He's the AEW World Champion. He's not losing that title until uh, sometime next year, and I do believe he signed a recommitment, a re-up with AEW. Otherwise, he would not be AEW Champion. But who knows, knowing Tony Khan, he let John Moxley work without a fucking contract as the World Champion, so we don't know. Aresha with a 550 and a 220 super chat. Amazing main event tonight. Thought it was weird how Jimmy disappeared off screen after Sammy kicked out of the 1D other than the perfect other that other than that perfect match. Uh, 8 out of 10 show daylight really hurts wrestling aesthetic. I don't think so. I like the daytime. Though the night is better. I do enjoy the daytime. Mike Paisa with a new membership. Thank you Mike. You got a Mets jersey on in your uh, profile picture, bro. I'm sorry to see that. Cisco with an 11 months. Today I celebrate 11 months with the GOAT. Thank you, Cisco. Always happy. No regrets. The venue, beer garden, my mother's basement, set the bar every time. Thank you, JD. Thank you, brother. Thank you for being here. JDC Biggins with a seven months. 5K plus in here. Smash that. As I mean, like. Thumbs up, for God's sakes. It's WrestleMania. Days of no sleep plus stressed. I might have to rewatch it. I was bored. It felt off to me. Yeah, you're going to have to rewatch it, J- uh, JDC. Go rewatch it, bro. I think everybody kind of felt the same sentiment tonight, man. Great show. 
Cisco with a $5 super chat. I'm so happy I watched WrestleMania with my eight-year-old boy, and now we are watching The Rock versus Hogan and listening to the GOAT JD. I love wrestling. Thank you, Cisco. That makes me happy, bro. Profi with a $10 super chat. So Charlotte should probably request that the writers and bookers give the women a better long-term story so that they can organically earn the main event. It just can't happen because they're women. I agree. Stop crying. Lauren, two. 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 6,000 Super Chat. Matches of the night. Android, Rhea, Uso, Zayn. Cena theory should have been better, in my opinion. I think it was enough. It, it did what it needed to do. Felt more of a Triple H mini than Vince. Absolutely. Lauren Marie Hutton with another $2 Super Chat. Orton may show up in the main event tomorrow. Yes. Grace's corner with a three. What did you think of Stand and Deliver? Five out of ten. Lauren with another two. Best in the IWC. No one better. Any turns coming? Uh, tomorrow, I don't see any turns coming. AWC Legend with a 499. Great show, JD, and hopefully a new stage set after Mania, as I absolutely hate the current Raw and SmackDown stage. OTS for life. I do think that both shows need a complete refresh. I do agree with that. Uh, Ad Watson. With a 10 months. What's up, JD? I just finished watching the main event, and it was awesome as well. Uh, and we all wanted and expected it. OTS for life. Hashtag Zane Mania. Cheers, bro. Thank you so much, my brother. Summer history with a one month. Jay should get involved in the Cody main event and take over Bloodline because Roman didn't help the Usos retain, but Usos helped Roman keep the title many times. You may be onto something there, bro. That may be uh, something that comes into play for sure. RJ Clutting with eight months. WrestleMania was great. Can't thank you enough for your awesome show, JD. I appreciate you as always. OTS for life. Tom Croco, 499. JD, a new member. Love you, man. Sneak peek for the draft. Charlotte, Bianca, Usos, Sammy, all scheduled for Raw House shows in June here in New Hampshire. I don't know, man. That uh, I, I don't think that really has much to do with anything. I just think WWE loads up with stars because they got to sell out those shows. And their house show business has been pretty decent. Uh, Telewo Swayze with a 20 in Super Chat. WrestleMania Night 1 exceeded my expectations, especially the women's title match. Incredible match with the right outcome. Overall, it was an incredible night. Looking forward to Night 2 tomorrow. Thank you so much, JD. Thank you, brother. Lauren Marie Hunt with a 2. Favorite Mania 17, 21, 23, 24, 28, 30, 31, and 39. Tom Croco, 499. JD, one more question. Do we get Randy or The Rock at the end of Mania Tomorrow night, would love to hear your opinion on that as well. Uh, if I had to choose one or the other, brother, I'm going to give us Randy Orton. Joseph Taylor with a five. JD, your thoughts on NXT Battleground going head dead with double or nothing? Um, it's done on purpose, Joseph. They made an excuse that they do better business on the holidays. It's all done on purpose. Jose Perez with a 499. Hey, JD, hope you're holding up well. When Rhea won the title, my first thought was JD should be pleased, and I wasn't wrong. Talk to you manana. Keep it up. Thank you, Jose. Justin Smith with a $2 Super Chat. Ravers, Dom didn't need Cinnamon Toast Crunch sponsorship, but WWE certainly had no problem with the Cinnamon Toast Crunch money. And Lauren Marie Hart with a $2 Super Chat. Will Orton be heel or face upon his return? Depends on what they have him doing, to be quite honest with you. I don't know. I really don't know. I think Orton will come back as a babyface and then turn heel. 
going to be very difficult for him to be a heel upon making his return to the company, man. Everybody loves Randy Orton. Guys, thank you for a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous Saturday, man. It, it was fucking unbelievable. You guys absolutely killed it today. You guys killed it in every sense of the word. Every legitimate sense of the word, you guys killed it. Unbelievable. You know the deal, man. I'm taking most of the day off tomorrow. You'll see me live Sunday night after night two. And I'm probably going to be up for another hour because I'm going to have to wait for this to fucking monetize. But uh, I appreciate you guys very much, man. I am so tired after today. These, these weekends are just killer, man. Killer. But I love it. I love it. I wouldn't ask for anything else. Hit that subscribe button, man. I mean, if you guys enjoyed anything you heard here today, if you enjoyed the aesthetics of the show, if you enjoy my brand of entertainment and the visuals and the sound and all that, I would appreciate it to hit the subscribe button, man. Hit that thumbs up as well. Support the channel. Do anything you can to support it. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Please go check out all the other content. We did a roundtable discussion with other content creators today. Excellent video, excellent discussion. We were live for SmackDown. We did off the script on Thursday, 471. There is so much content, man. Go check it out. And until then, guys, uh, I will see you tomorrow night for night two of WrestleMania. I'll be on Twitter live tweeting. You guys know where to find me. And then we'll be live right here again on Off The Scripts from my mother's basement. I love you guys. Thank you for a great Saturday, man. Thank you for a great Saturday. You really made the day for me, and I'll see you tomorrow night. Sunday night for night two of WrestleMania right here on Off The Scripts.